0: (laughs) He-
1: users who can the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg. This week on the Tech Night Out Live, we'll be featuring Kirk McElhern. He's got lots to talk about. He's also the iTunes guy for MacWorld Magazine. We'll also hear from columnist Rob Pegarrero, who writes for Yahoo and also for USA Today, amongst other places. All this and lots more coming on the Tech. Nighthowl Live. Yeah! Now, a little bit later on our discussion with Kirk, we're going to talk about the cloud, cloud storage, Dropbox, whether you should maybe consider some of the plans that the competitors are offering. Everybody is upping their storage allotment. We're going to talk about that. But right now, let's talk about the Mac Pro. Now, is this two times a charm? You had one Mac Pro that apparently was defective.
2: Yeah, I got a Mac Pro and I set it up, copied all my data. And when I first restarted it, I realized it was taking a very long time to restart. Now, you know how it is. You get a new computer, you're plugging things, you're cleaning things up and moving things around. So I really didn't pay that much attention. So I rebooted again and it took three or four minutes. And after the the reboot, my Thunderbolt peripherals weren't showing up. So I rebooted again and it took like five minutes and the peripherals showed up. And I tried all the different ways, unplugging different things, plugging them back in, you know, the usual sort of um, basic troubleshooting.
1: Sometimes so if what, you have a slow what, what startup what, process, it could it be could, something could be that it's connected to.
2: Right. A USB a scanner, a printer, if it's on, it could be a hard drive or something that the system is having trouble mounting, and that could slow things up. So one of the ways you troubleshoot a startup issue like this is you start up with everything possible unplugged. So... I basically started up with only my display plugged in, and I was still having a problem. So I called Apple, and they were very good because they said, well, hey, we're not going to troubleshoot a brand new Mac Pro. We're going to replace it. Now, we've had discussions in the past about me and Macs getting replaced. and Yes, you seem to have a history. Well, I do. In fact, the, the Mac this replaced is a Mac Mini, and the other day I was looking on Apple's support website where you get you can see a list of everything you bought for them or everything you've had Apple Care and all that. And since I bought almost all my Macs directly from Apple, they're all listed. So I, I realized that I did have to exchange that Mac Mini very shortly after I bought it. I don't recall what was wrong, but the second one was the charm, as you say. And here it took a few days to get it, but they expedited it. It took I think three or four days to ship, but they overnighted it from the States. And this one seems to they be shipped fine.
1: it from the States? Well, the Mac Pro is assembled in the States. Right I know that. I was just thinking here that they don't have a stock. You well, know, they
2: haven't caught up on inventory yet to be able to have stock over here. Okay. So I'm not surprised, but I'm used to Mac shipping from China. In most cases, if you buy one shortly after it comes out, it comes directly from China. And even the same for iPhones. If you order it early, you're going to get it from China before they get enough inventory locally.
1: Yes, I know. The iPhone 5S and the iPhone 5C that we got last fall shipped from China. China.
2: Yeah. So this one seems fine. Knock on wood. uh, I haven't had any problems yet. So there's not much else to say other than it started off bad, but Apple did really good customer support from Apple um, to get this expedited and get the exchange quickly. You know, they didn't charge me for the second one, which often they'll charge you for the replacement until it's returned. And it actually hasn't been returned. UPS was supposed to come on Tuesday. They came... Today, Thursday, we're recording this on Thursday. They came today, and I was out for a few minutes, and I just missed them. So they should be picking it up tomorrow, and this will all be
1: through. You know, that's a, it's not a miracle. It's the way customer service should be. And Apple tends to be better than others. And let me give you another example of where I think Apple actually did something really nice, even though they didn't have to. And that is, I was having a problem with my iCloud email account. It's the original mac.com address that I have. And I'll let the listeners guess what that address is. It's one of the early ones. Just like you can guess what my AOL address is, that's one of the very early ones. In any case, I'm so going to guess it's,
2: it's big gene at mac.com.
1: No. Okay. No, no, no. <laughs> I, none of the flourishes. I take things very simple. Okay. Okay. But with AOL, it's half of that name that you just gave, and you can guess which one. The point being here is that I was having a problem receiving email from my Mac.com email address. I was transferring a domain to one of the companies that we have partnerships with, which is Namecheap. So I was transferring a domain from another place to Namecheap, and part of the process is they send a letter to the registered contact point of that domain to confirm that you want to transfer it. I wasn't getting those letters. And I've dealt with name sheep for years. So this was rather surprising. So they kept resending it. You have an option to resend the authorization letter or I contacted their chat support and they they sent it and I wasn't getting it. And then I decided, you know what, this is weird. Let me see if there's something in the iCloud mail that's causing a problem. It didn't turn up in the junk box. It turns out, and this is true with other email services, I suppose, that iCloud has a higher level spam filter, called high spam or email that's in a blocked list, a list of known spammers, but that's obviously not Namecheap and obviously not some other places I wasn't getting mail from. And that grabs the mail and prevents it from reaching your account. Now, how do you fix this? Now, with some email systems, you can whitelist a name. You can do that with Outlook.com. You can do it with Gmail. You can whitelist something and specify anything from that domain or that specific address. It doesn't get blocked. There's no whitelist, at least on the customer side with iCloud. I finally got to a second-tier support person. And he said, yes, we do have a whitelist, and we'll add these names. And then we'll investigate further. And he calls me back a couple of days later. Understand here, he doesn't know me from a hole in the wall, doesn't know that I'm a tech journalist. He was just doing what Apple does, which is to provide good customer support despite a very silly policy. So evidently, they fixed the problem by whitelisting the email addresses I gave them. And that allows the email to go through. That's fine. But we get back to the original problem, which is, why don't customers have access? mail that's being blocked from their mailboxes.
2: This is a problem that people have noticed over the past few years. And it happened to a friend of mine about three weeks ago, Doug Adams, who runs the Doug's Apple scripts for iTunes website. We had been chatting on messages one day about an Apple script. And he said he was going to make it for me and send it by the end of the day. And when I didn't hear from him, I emailed him the next morning. And he said, well, I sent it out and it didn't get to you. And after a bit of testing, he found out that iCloud was filtering any message that had his domain name in it. So his domain is dougscripts.com, and it's in the signature in his email messages. And all of a sudden, they decided that this is going to be spam. Now, it took him several days of getting through to Apple and finding out that there is a way for Apple to unblacklist something like that. But the first-level technicians weren't aware of it. I've heard about this happening over the years, In fact, I wrote something on my blog when this happened to Doug. The worst thing about it is that the sender is not informed that the message doesn't get through. Now, Doug's a freelancer. So imagine he's sending work to one of his clients and it gets blocked by iCloud. Imagine that he sends work to a client and it it gets blocked and he only finds out too late. This can be very detrimental to his work. So It's called
1: like losing a client.
2: Well, it's called like losing a client and losing maybe payment for work you've done and, and all of that. So it's a big problem, in my opinion, and Apple does this silently and doesn't even alert you. Now, it makes sense that they delete all the Viagra spam and all that, but that they don't alert you when you've sent some. So in your case, you
1: were receiving it. You'd but expect- you know what? That- I would like them to send everything. I'll okay, if the it. Viagra spam, fine. If it's virus infected, I don't want to see it. But if it's just a normal offer for Ashley Madison, but that's a real company, and a normal offer for one of the normal crazy companies, like you get a casting call or your home improvement center or Viagra, whatever Viagra? it is, I agree. They I, I used, should I send it to absolutely. you, and I should have the right to say, I want to receive it. We are receiving Kirk McElhern loud and clear. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. <laughs>
3: more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S.com.
4: Hi, John Huebner from Midas Resources. Are you tired of watching your hard-earned assets dwindle away? As government spending is out of hand and the Federal Reserve is creating in excess of $20 billion a week, are you tired of stockbrokers gambling away your hard-earned money? Is this market a setup for a crash greater than 1987?
5: Too many of today's policies resemble those that led to the collapse of 1929. This is John Huebner, and that was me in 2007.
6: A close, you can't afford to wait. So call 866 91 Steel. Lock in your price now. Call 866 91 Steel. That's 866 917 8335.
7: Question Could too many GMO foods and toxins be overloading your digestive and immune systems? answer, yes. If you're searching for a powerful detox that's gentle enough to use every day, use Pro-EM-1 from Terragonics. Pro-EM-1 is a powerful liquid probiotic that uses good bacteria to suppress pathogens and gently eliminate toxins from your body. A healthy digestive system will cleanse and remove toxins, support weight loss, improve absorption of food nutrients, and aid in controlling yeast and other infections. Pro-EM-1 is made with only non-GMO and certified organic ingredients, has no preservatives, and is dairy-sourced, Soy, wheat, and gluten-free. Pro-EM-1 is the key to your digestive health. Order Pro-EM-1 daily probiotic cleanse at Terraganics.com. spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com, or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Also available through Amazon Prime. Pro-EM-1 from TerraGanics. Life's getting better. We'd like to hear from you. If you have
8: a comment or question about the Tech Night owl live, please send it to news at technightOwl.com. That's news at technightOwl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow Night owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's
1: forum.technightowl.com. They rag me on the segues. And I really pulled a bad one there with Kirk. Yeah, it's okay. Kirk McElhern, the iTunes guy, speaking to us from his palatial estate. The converted farmhouse. Barn. It's a barn.
2: It's not a farmhouse.
1: It's a lovely home, though. It's a barn. I've seen a picture of the barn. Yep. And this is a really beautiful home. I mean, if I lived in the UK and I could afford the rent and I could afford the inconvenience of being in a place that's a bit of a drive... From the corner delicatessen. I would love to go there. Maybe I'll visit it someday. You should. You should. Send me a I'm plane on. ticket, two plane tickets for Gene and Barbara. Okay, first class? I'll, you know what, for a trip that long, remember, I'm coming from Arizona. <laughs> if you think. You'd want at least
2: business class.
1: Uh, yeah, at least business class, because you're coming from Arizona, I have to take two planes. There's no direct flight. Yeah. I deserve, at my advanced age.
2: When I hit the lottery, I'll send you two plane tickets.
1: That's a deal. Such a okay. deal. Of course, he never enters the lottery, so he's basically telling well, you it's never going to happen.
2: We won £2.70 the other day on the lottery.
1: £2.70 is what in USA funds? About $4? Uh, 4
2: bucks, yeah. And the ticket costs £2, pounds, so it's not a big profit.
1: Isn't it interesting how I'm able to figure that out on a moment's notice? But seriously speaking here, it's not that the other free email systems don't have problems. I'm not talking about the ads, the targeted ads. But for example, with Outlook.com, if you use it as an IMAP service with your Apple Mail, for example, and you send a message, it's going to be repeated twice, a known problem. And when you try to get Microsoft to figure it out, they ask you dumb questions and they never solve the problem. Now, the problem I have with Google, with Gmail, if you use it as an IMAP, their IMAP implementation is weird. You can't undo a delete. You know, I'll press the delete key and delete a message and then I'll say, you know what? Wait a minute. I need to undelete that message. You can't do it with Gmail. Yeah, I know you can say, look, Apple Mail is bad. I agree with you. Really? Why? Well, some people say it's bad. But you know what? I've tried every other email client on the planet and I can't find one that's any better. They all have problems.
2: I'm more or less happy with Apple Mail. I I always get surprised when people rag on things like Mail and Safari as if, they were made by microsoft i find mail is totally fine for my usage now maybe someone who keeps you know 20 gigabytes of email and i know people who do this they keep every email they've ever sent and received a hand
1: raise if you add up all of my email accounts it's probably 18 or 20 i have i I I see no reason for this well i'll tell you something here i'll reveal something here my co-host on the Paracast, the paranormal radio show chris o'brien his mailbox consists of a number of folders, so it's not all in the inbox. It's about 17 and a half to 18 gigabytes big. So in order to support that, because the normal web servers, it, they choke, yeah, on something that big. So what I had to do here is set up a special package with one of the email hosting services to get him his email.
2: Well, but, I don't see the point. but Apple Mail is, is fine for most people. A lot of people are going to use Outlook because Outlook, that would be a good name. A lot hey, of we can start a
1: new app. service. I've been using a lot of interesting services here for testing email. I've tried FuseMail. I've tried Rackspace email. I've tried Polaris Mail, And I've tried Zoho. Ever hear of Zoho?
2: Yeah, I did actually because I was recently looking at email
1: providers. Now it's interesting here. Zoho is interesting and they're not paying for this. Zoho gives you... A free email package with five gigabytes with a migration tool, which may choke on really large mailboxes, but seems to work on smaller ones. So you can migrate your existing account. So if you have a custom domain and you want free mail or just want to use Zoho.com, five gigabytes storage free, no ads. I mean, that's such a deal. Yeah,
2: I guess. But can't you use a custom domain with Gmail or do you have to pay for that?
1: I think you now have to pay for it. Originally, you did not. Yeah, that's what But they've changed that. So now you have to get it, at the minimum, the 5-gigabyte service. Microsoft used to allow you to do it with free services, and they stopped. Right. Now, understand, Google is going to have their own domain registration service. I saw that. That's interesting. All right, let's get back to the email. So with Zoho, you can use a Zoho.com email address or your own domain. You get one domain free with the 5-gigabytes. And then if you decide that you want something more and they've got docs and all sorts of extra applications, they start at two and a half dollars a month per user for for more elaborate packages. I mean, you know, it sounds like it's really worth it. I think 99% of the people out there could go to Zoho.com. And as I said, they're not paying me for this. I'm just sitting here and telling you what it is. 99%, I don't know. Five gigabytes would be enough. I think. I think
2: five gigabytes is enough for 99% of people, except for those who are somewhat obsessive, and I wouldn't class you in that category of Oh, I'm
1: very excessive. But, <laughs> so the obsessive. basic package is it is free and ad-free, five gigabytes user mail storage, five gigabytes stock storage shared. You get up to 10 users, five gigabytes each, host one domain, they give you desktop sync, for the docs, What's that? they even give you mobile sync. They give you it supports active sync, and right. you get online office apps free, no ads. If you decide that you need more storage or more features like a custom logo, it's going to be two and a half dollars for ten gigabytes, three and a half dollars for fifteen gigabytes, and they sell extra packages of storage if you need it. So if you really are one of these users who, you know. 15, 20 gigabytes isn't enough, they give you a package. As I said, they're not paying to advertise here. It's just an interesting package. Why are they doing this?
2: Isn't Soho... Don't don't they have something like Basecamp, one of these sort of collaboration tools?
1: Yes, they have all sorts of packages. The point being offering free is because they want you to buy a package.
2: Or they they want want you to use one of their other tools that's not email. So (laughs) if you're using whatever the collaboration thing is, they're saying, hey, the email's free, but you got to pay for the other tool.
1: That's right. You'll get a basic apps suite free. But after that, you have to pay for the other stuff. They have a large number of web-based apps to use. Right. Okay. So, yeah, you pay for them. But if you just one email and nothing else, you don't want the ads, you don't want somebody looking at your text. And so far as I can see, there's no higher-level spam that prevents you from getting a message. And it's got a pretty decent webmail tool. So that's one really good package. The other one is Polaris mail. I've told you about that one, Kirk. And that's like $2 a month per user and they give you active sync also. And okay. 25 gigabyte mailboxes. So you can take all the stuff that you've accumulated all these years, Kirk, and you yeah, can use
2: my it. My email's about, it's less than, it's well under a gigabyte. Because what I do is I I clean out my email. When I'm finished with a project and I really don't need to keep things, I'll delete them. I don't go into my sent mail that often. I do it every few months. Um, But I don't keep things for a long time. I see absolutely no reason to. Once I've finished a project, sent an invoice, gotten paid, I don't need to keep anything.
1: Kirk McElhern joins us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Don't delete us.
9: We are the premier independent talk radio network, the Genesis Communications Network, GCN
0: What good
6: is a big Berkey water filter?
5: We get that question a lot here at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com, and in a word, the answer is protection protection from water main breaks, E. coli contamination, environmental chemical spills, pesticide runoff, chlorine taste and smell, and all forms of fluoride. Plus, Big Berkey water filters are the original gravity water filter system and most trusted on the market for a reason. Tested by multiple independent NSF EPA certified labs, they are the gold standard in water purification. At only 1.7 cents a gallon, a single set of filters can last for 5 to 10 years. That means big savings. Big Berkey, the one that's powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water. Get a Big Berkey today at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. GCN listeners receive 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit our website or call 1-877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-BERKEY. Big Berkey Water Filters for the love of clean water.
11: The human body is extraordinary.
12: Live with Gene Steinberg, it's the Tech Night Owl, because you never know what's going to happen next.
1: We have Kirk McElhern. I'm Gene Steinberg. During the Tech Night Owl Live, Rob Pecoraro is raring to go. We'll talk to him later, and we'll talk to him about the failure of Aereo, which was this company that provided TV service for like $8 a month, and their scheme was to have these little tiny antennas that you leased at their data center. And so it was a cloud-based service, and they claimed they were just leasing you an antenna. But the U.S. Supreme Court said, no, it's like a cable service. They've got to pay copyright fees. Right now, we're talking about email services. So Kirk manages to keep his email box below a gig which means he can use anything i yeah, mean I, any cheap and, service and my
2: my current email is it's my web host i use one-on-one one, um it, i'm still hosted in france because i've never gotten around to moving it since i left france
1: or um, as dan Aykroyd said france okay and they come from france and i think i get
2: two gigabytes there
1: yeah i know the people at one-on-one they give you two gigabytes, and they give you good service. You see, they're owned by a big internet provider in Germany called United Internet. Right. And they are a humongous company with divisions in different countries. They have a separate division just outside of Philadelphia, area I used to live in, in the United States. So I'm familiar with the company. I used to know some of their marketing people there. And that's another good possibility there. They offer like for 99 cents per user. Not per user, wait a minute, like 99 cents a month and that's $1.50 after the first year, you get five email accounts using OpenX, which is like an open source exchange alternative. You get two gigabyte storage. With somebody like Kirk or most people, that's a pretty good deal. If you're like me, <laughs> you know that's yesterday's email. I have email going back to 1999. I have 30,000 in my sent box on... The account for this radio show for the power cast about 28,000. So yeah, the problem is that when
2: you have that much email, especially in, in one of the main uh, mailboxes, like the sent mail, it really slows things up when you check your mail.
1: If the service is good, it doesn't, you know, the really good email services handle yeah, that pretty I, it pretty quickly.
2: It depends a lot more on your internet connection and all that. It's just going to get slower. I mean, it's up to you. It, you know, as you say, it takes a couple of days to clean it out can archive a lot of that stuff. Um, put yeah, they in, do have archiving apps. Mail.
1: They do have archiving apps where you can say, look, I'll take everything over two years old and I'll stick it in the archive and I'll make a backup of the, of the archive. And then my email boxes will all be clean, crisp, no problems. I should do that. And I well, will. You,
2: you can even archive it in um, mail and just get it out of the sent mailbox, least Because mail uses archive mailboxes. So you can put things into the archive mailboxes, either on your Mac, which is probably the best solution, because then you're not going to have to be worrying about them on the server, or you can leave them in an archive on each individual server. I do that for some old emails that I want to keep. I put them in the archive mailbox on my Mac.
1: Okay. By the way, some of these email systems also have an archive section, too. So you can store Yeah, well,
2: it's a standard IMAP thing, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean, they do. I don't use it. I have decided okay. that I want everything front and center. That's me. you know. Even emails from 1999. Right now, if I look at... This is a at,
2: philosophical discussion. We're not going to agree.
1: No, we're so. never going to agree. I'm looking right now at... Now, I'm updating email from an older server, so it's going to take a while. But if I look at my primary email box, and I have an email box called archives... Night Owl Archives. And if I look in there, I've got 20,900 messages, and they go back to, I don't know, 1999? Yeah. The only thing well, I had is I used to have an email it, service, which I don't use anymore, where they destroyed all the dates on the email. Ah,
2: that sucks.
1: So you, yeah, have you have to cut for, you can for a see
2: particular it. period of time, yeah.
1: They don't sort properly. They won't yeah, sort before bad. 2010, but I do have messages going back to 1999.
2: Well, for that reason alone, maybe you should just all dump them into a folder on your Mac and get them off your, your mail server. At least, in, For that reason, you won't have an email provider who could make a mistake and A, delete them, B, change the dates, and you'll have a local copy um, that's more reliable.
1: Okay, I'll tell you who changed the dates. You ready? We're going to blame someone right now. Someone about 25-minute drive from here called GoDaddy. Now, GoDaddy oh, yeah. no longer offers that email service. They switched strictly to Microsoft Exchange. But when they did, it was flaky as anything. And it killed all the dates. I used it in 2010. And everything that I had before 2010 had a 2010 date. Okay. Go figure.
2: And if you would, if you would archive them on your Mac, you'd have the right dates. I'm just ribbing you here. But um, it just seems to me so you want to keep a couple of years of stuff on the server but you could put everything else local either into an archive or just into a local folder on your Mac and when I say on your Mac I mean in mail in the on my Mac section I don't mean taking them out and putting them into a folder because um, you can't really do that anymore with mail since Mavericks you can't drag multiple emails out of a mailbox uh, into a finder folder you used to be able to do that
1: well Nobody's perfect. No. They did that, by the way, for one reason, to confuse you. There can be no logic in this. But, you know, this is the argument that we get to email, and this is the argument about it, which is, is this the best system? And we have all these extra flourishes, like Gmail has all sorts of extra features, some of which are perennially in beta, and I have no use for any of them. My email is pretty much straightforward no flourishes i just have extra folders or organization i have server side rules which means you set the rules by your email server not on your mac and that way if i want to have messages moved into a specific folder it's done automatically that's about it for me is there a better way to manage email or do you mean on the server to manage email to handle um, email well
2: see If you're not holding on to lots of... So I use a lot of um, local folders uh, in mail. I use a lot of local folders in mail on my Mac. Um, Some of them that are on the servers and some of them that are just on my Mac. So the ones on the servers, I can access them from my iPhone, from my laptop, etc. I have a lot of rules. So different messages come in with different colors depending on who the sender is or may get rooted into certain folders. I actually have some server-side rules for .Mac because not all providers offer server-side rules. Um, .Mac or, sorry, iCloud is not my main email account, but I do use it for certain things. Is there a better way? It, You know, I, I think one of the problems with email is there are two email users. One gets everything in the inbox and sort of swims through it, and the other gets over-obsessed with these sort of mail add-ons you can get to tag things and move them and do all sorts of things with them. And I think there's a middle ground. I mean, personally, I've gone for the middle ground. My inbox is sort of my to-do list. So when I've got an article assignment or a project I'm working on, I just keep everything in the inbox. I've currently got 20 messages in my inbox. Um, As I go through projects, I'll delete them. As I've contacted people or gone to events or whatever, I'll delete them. Um, other people have more interact with more people and may have hundreds of emails in their inbox and that gets confusing. So you, there's no one size fits all. If if you're a, an average home user and you don't use email for your business, then it really doesn't make a difference. You don't need to look for anything complicated. Uh, but it's true that some people in business may be shooting emails back and forth a hundred times a day. And, you know, they have to deal with that in ways that are very different from what I do and probably what you do as well.
1: Well, one thing is here is that in order to make it easy for people to remember, I have a separate domain for each radio show. So it's theparacast.com and technightout.com so I have separate email addresses. Now, I don't merge them into one because I want to separate and know where that email is coming and for which show it's coming, which may be different. Yeah exactly.
2: I have a separate email for each of the web domains that I have as well.
1: Kirk McElhern is telling us about his web domains. But I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live.
9: We are America's largest independently owned communications network. G-C-N.
6: Before it blows, you can't afford to wait so call 866-91-STEEL lock in your price now call 866-91-STEEL that's 866-917-8335
13: if you need to say happy birthday happy anniversary thank you or simply i'm thinking of you proflowers.com is the key Pro Flowers has stunning bouquets, like the best-selling 100 blooms for $19.99. Plus, Pro Flowers will include a glass vase for free. Sending someone a wonderful surprise of beautiful flowers sent fresh from the fields is easy. Choose the bouquet you like, pick the delivery date, and each order is 100% guaranteed. Plus, all bouquets from Pro Flowers are guaranteed to last at least seven full days. Beautiful, fragrant flowers. Picked fresh and sent to your loved one for lasting enjoyment. To get this incredible savings and send someone 100 gorgeous blooms with a free vase for 19 dollars go to proflowers.com, click the blue microphone in the top right corner, and enter code PLOW. That's proflowers.com. Click the mic and enter code P-L-O-W. I'm Kay
14: Swirling from KSCO Radio in Santa Cruz. I'm 93 years old, and I'm a big fan of Alex Jones because he has the courage to speak his mind more than just about anyone I know. Alex is just as bothered as I am about all the advertising you hear for toxic prescription drugs that make you sicker, not healthy. I would prefer to give my body all 90 essential nutrients it needs for life to pre disease not compounded. My favorite complete supplement is Beyond Tangy Tangerine from Youngevity, which I take every day along with EFA Plus and Beyond OsteoFX. I recommend you go online to InfoWarsTeam.com to purchase these products and make them part of your daily regimen to get healthy and live longer. InfoWarsTeam.com.
12: Do you know what's going to happen next? Well, here's the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg.
1: On the Tech Night Owl live, we're trying to organize your email and maybe you don't care, but I keep an email account for each of my domains. My wife has an email account. My son has a domain on my web server, but he uses Gmail. Everything is run through Gmail. So that's fine. He likes it because he just goes online. He doesn't care about the ads. He doesn't pay attention. He just gets his Gmail, and he's been using it for, I don't know, six, eight years now. So I'm not going to change him. That's how he works. I also keep accounts with iCloud, Outlook.com, and Gmail, partly just to test them. But I also keep one for backup. So if my host email service goes down, I have a backup. All my server messages go to one of those backup accounts. So I'm very paranoid about email. My life ends if there's no email. I mean, if I sat here with no email for a day, I wouldn't know what to do with myself. (laughs) And some people may have a few words about that, but I won't bother to mention what they are.
2: In my case, all my work comes through email. So without email, I really can't work. Um, Like you, I have a backup Gmail account that I rarely use, but it's there in case I need it, in case of an emergency.
1: Now, let's understand things here. I don't know of any email service that's necessarily perfect. Some are pretty good. I haven't heard of any failures from Zoho.com. I understand Fuse Mail had a few some years back. They are now owned by the same company that brings you eFax in America and other services. Polaris, Mail, I think, had only one outage since I've known them. Gmail has outages. Outlook has outages. Apple has outages. In fact, there was a story just the other day. There was a half a day long outage on Microsoft's email system for Exchange. Now, Exchange is a business class email system, and you can have it on your local server. But if you use Microsoft's server, it was down for 8 to 12 hours. Now, imagine companies without email for 12 hours? Yeah. Do they just get out their Gmail accounts?
2: Or or people like you and me who work with email and depend on email to get work, to send work, to contact clients, in your case, advertisers and all that. It can be a problem.
1: Is the only answer to have a backup email account just in case you... I think
2: so. I think everyone should have a backup email account. If you use Gmail and you have a Mac, get a, an iCloud account if you've not set it up. If you use iCloud and you don't have a Gmail account, get one or get a Yahoo account.
1: I won't use a Yahoo account because they do not support IMAP. Even okay. on so, the premium service, I cannot understand that.
2: That's surprising, yeah. There, so at, get a free Zoho account. And as you say, there are other free email providers, but everyone should have a backup email account and should have that backup email account also on their mobile device set up just in case. Um, we were talking earlier about emails that got blocked from my friend, Doug, imagine that he was sending emails from his iPhone and he wasn't home and he, it was a sort of emergency and they weren't getting through. You don't want to have to try and remember your password, assuming you don't use one password on your iPhone. Um, you don't want to have to try and remember your password to set up an account. Um, if you really need it urgently. So it's better to set it up and just not use it until, Maybe you'll never use it, but maybe you'll use it once a year. Um, But it's always good to have an extra email account.
1: Yeah, and this is especially true if you rely on your ISP for your email. Now, it's not that the ISP email systems are bad. For example, I took a look at CenturyLink because we use CenturyLink here. And they gave me a really cheap price. I'm paying, I'll tell you honestly, I'm paying $37 and change. And it's complicated how I got all the discounts. I think it's only for a year, then it goes higher. 50 megabits down, 20 megabits up, and a static IP number. That's such a deal. Now, I understand you can do better in Europe, but this is the United States of America. I get about 90% of the advertised speeds. It's pretty good. The point is here is that your ISP will have an email system. That's fine. Yeah. But unless you plan to be with that ISP the rest of your life and you're never going to move. Exactly.
2: I I registered my domain, mclehern.com, that's M-C-E-L-H-E-A-R-N.com, if you want to go visit my website. I registered my domain in 1995 because I learned from that mistake. My first email address was with a provider, and when I left that provider after about a year, I had started working as a freelancer, and all of a sudden, I no longer had the same email address that my clients were using to contact me. So I very quickly decided to register my domain name and getting on 20 years ago. And that way I was guaranteed um, that I could take that email address wherever I want. And and I've moved um, to a different country since then. I've moved around among ISPs as well since then. There are a couple ways to look at this. One way is to actually get your own domain name. You're talking about Zoho. I think you get a free domain name with the 2 dollars half dollar a month, I'm not sure exactly what the conditions were.
1: Well, with the free account, you
2: get one account. domain. So register a domain name, even sure. if it's bigjeansteinberg.com, if Steinberg's taken probably, and Gene Steinberg may be taken.
1: When I was really young, you know, and foolish, which is, you know, three or four hundred years ago, I was on a radio show with somebody, and I don't even remember the guy's name anymore. This is back in the 90s. And he said, did you register jeansteinberg.com?" And I said, no. He said, register it today. Yep. Don't wait. Don't let somebody else get it. I should have had Steinberg.com, but that's an audio peripheral maker, so I can't. You could have sold that. I could have sold it. Yep. You know, It's like, look, for example, at Jim Dalrymple's The Loop. Now, yep. his domain is loopinsight.com. The reason right. is there is a loop.com, but they want like $100,000 from him. You know, and yeah, you think any, Jim Dalrapel spends all his money on guitars. Exactly. So he doesn't that's, have that's, the he doesn't have the spare, you know, hundred thousand dollars for this. Maybe, you know, two hundred dollars will do it.
2: Yeah. And any any common name is taken. So you may have trouble getting a domain, but it's better to register a domain just in case. And if you've got a free service like this Zoho, and again, they're not paying, but maybe you're gonna send them this podcast to try and get them to sponsor. Um If That's a really good solution because you can take that domain with you when you move someplace else. Don't use an ISP's email. Gmail, uh, iCloud, iCloud's good because it's portable. Um, Anything that's not an ISP because that's... It's actually the worst thing is to use an ISP's email address because once you change ISP's, uh, you're sunk. You've lost your email address.
1: It's not that they're bad anymore. I think the one from... CenturyLink's pretty good. Cox is now supporting IMAP. It's pretty decent. But I'm not going to spend the rest of my life with any of these services. And after my one-year deal with CenturyLink is over, and they're going to want to ask the full price, whatever that is, I'm going yeah. to go back with them and say, I'll go to Cox. Yeah. Unless you give me another deal. So it's going to be up to them. they'll probably give you another deal. Right. They'll probably give me another deal, but I don't think it's going to be $37 and change anymore. But there's a point here. Whatever it is, don't use their email system. And if you have used their email system, set up a forward if you can't. all these services allow that. But if they allow a forward where you can forward it to another address, use it. AOL has no forward feature. You have an AOL.com address. You want to forward it to your Gmail account or your domain account. I defy you to find a way. Unless you have some kind of third-party utility. There's no way.
2: I would recommend that if you have an AOL.com account, there are two ways to look at this. One means that you're way behind the times, but the other means that maybe you're nostalgic because it's so old now that it might come back into fashion. So you should either never use it again because it's embarrassing to have an AOL.com address, or you should use it in an ironic way to say, look at me, I've got AOL.com. I still got the floppy disks.
1: But you know something... I have the AOL.com address, and the reason I keep it is because there's no way to get that name anymore. Ah, okay. It's one of those names. You can't get that name. That name, you know, I've had the address for 25 years. Yeah, okay. As long as AOL exists, I'm going to keep that name.
2: I'm very lucky domain name-wise. I mean, I got mine in 95 before most people were getting domains, but... I've had my domain since 1995, and my name's relatively uncommon, so it wasn't a problem getting it. Um, but it's good to have a domain with your name if you were um, prescient enough to do so back in the, the mid-90s before a lot of people did. Um, it's it's a pretty rare thing for people with common names to actually have their domains. I know a number of people who have domains with their name .org, .net, .biz, etc. That's a little bit easier to get, but... As you said, Steinberg makes audio equipment. I'm sure they've reserved every Steinberg dot whatever they could get, um, just to be safe. I so, don't go
1: that far. I'm not that crazy. No, I I'm got not the, either.
2: I, I only have Mclehrn.com.
1: Right. Um, I have GeneSteinberg.com. I, I don't think I have GeneSteinberg.net. I do, however, have variations for the other domains. More to come. We have Kirk McElhern, the iTunes guy. We're talking about your email and more. A little bit later, we'll be hearing from tech journalist Rob Pegarero. All this coming up on the Tech Night Out Live.
9: A little right, a little left, but always independent minded. The Genesis Communications Network, GCN
12: This is BIG!
15: Not just big, it's the Freeze-Dry Guy's giant factory-authorized sale. This month, save 30 to 45% off on number 10 cans of high-quality Mountain House freeze-dried foods. From the Freeze-Dry Guy, factory-fresh stock just arrived, so now is the time to stock up with the finest, best-tasting, longest-proven shelf-life foods in the industry at giant savings of 30 to 45% off. But hurry, supplies are limited to only the stock we have on hand. Call 866-404-3663. Free shipping to the lower 48 states. Click freezedryguy.com or call 866-404-3663. That's freezedryguy.com. Hurry! The giant factory authorized Mountain House sale is going on now. Only from the Freeze Dry Guy, the finest freeze dried and dehydrated foods available anywhere for long term storage. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to
8: happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg.
1: Ah, email is so infuriating, guys. It really is. Kirk McElhern joins us. He's telling you how he organizes things, he is super organized. I mean, here's a guy who's been online for 20 years, and his email box is one gigabyte. Now, either he's just telling us tall tales. I don't think he's that kind of guy. I think he's a pretty honest guy.
2: I'm going to tell you exactly how big it is. Um, It's my mail folder in my library folder. So this is all of my email accounts is 559 megabytes.
1: He's lying. I can't believe it. No.
2: Do you want a screenshot? I can send you a screenshot. And that includes... Um, that includes a spam sieve bundle, a spam sieve folder. That's only a megabyte. Basically what I do is, as I said, anything I keep, I keep on my Mac. Um, so my main McElhern.com email address is about 368 megs. All the other ones are 25, 20, um, 12 is my iCloud. So I just don't leave stuff floating around. I just, I don't need to. And, and every, and this includes a few thousand cent messages. I haven't gone through my um sent mailboxes in a, in a few months
1: his technique is he doesn't answer the email that way he keeps it small i
2: answer emails very quickly you know y- that
1: yes i do but i'm no, just saying just,
2: that and i you know i have a number of friends who do like you and keep every single email and say well since storage is cheap why why not keep it let's but, go back to the
1: storage okay so okay, let's let's okay, see yeah, what happens here about cloud storage cloud storage now we understand it's not always perfect I use a cloud-based backup system called CrashPlan for all yeah. my stuff. So I have two local backups, a clone or mirror backup and a time machine backup. That's two separate external drives. And then everything goes to a family plan. We have a CrashPlan. And my son's Mac is uploaded there, too. And since his aging black MacBook, which is still running, but it's all new because all the parts have been replaced, you know, since he's had hard drive failures he has everything backed up there. In fact, he's got two backups from a previous drive and his current drive. So that's fine. The point is here, of course, is that we have Dropbox, which is the classic cloud-based storage system where you can share your files with other people. Then we have ways to handle like attachments that are too big for your email system, like Hightail, which used to be called You Send It. And I right. guess You Send It... They changed the name because you sent it could be something else if somebody wanted to change one or two of the words. So they must have changed it for that reason. Then you have cloud storage by Microsoft OneDrive. Google has cloud storage. Apple has iCloud. and Apple announced famously during the WWDC they're going to increase the capacity and keep the prices low. So you can get 200 gigabytes for what? few dollars a month, and they're going to have up to a terabyte. I think it was
2: 50 a year. It'd give $4 a month or whatever.
1: Something like that. But
2: and also, the iCloud Drive is going to be... Uh, today, it's not the case, but it's going to be more like a Dropbox, where you've got a folder where you can access things. It won't only be storing things from applications to iCloud as it is today.
1: Okay, so they're going to make it more like a Dropbox. And Dropbox, by the way, is, is one of those companies that is the progenitor of these services. And they've got an interesting staff there. I think Condoleezza Rice, the former Secretary of State under George Bush, she's a member of their board of directors.
2: Yeah. And this created a bunch of um, noise about maybe four to six weeks ago when this was announced. A lot of people were stopping to use Dropbox because of her links to the Iraq war.
1: The people who hate Al Gore, they don't want to buy Apple stuff because he's on their board of directors? You know, I've never
2: really heard that. Um, I'm guessing. You can find all sorts of reasons to not buy things from a given company. There's a guy on Apple's board of directors who, and I can't remember which company, but one of these big defense contractors. Um, so he's linked to the military, military industrial complex as well.
1: Well, you um, know what? I'll tell you something. They're all linked to the military One way or another, complex. exactly. Right. You, he, you can't get he, away from it. This is what Eisenhower, a Republican, warned of. Back in the 1950s, watch out for the military-industrial complex, and every single president, Democrat or Republican, has somehow been linked yeah. to it since.
2: But we shouldn't talk politics. We just did. Okay, well, so with Dropbox, you pay, I think it's 10 bucks a month to get 100 gigs. And that's something that they recently increased. But there are other services where you can get more for less. So I was looking Google will give you 100 gigs for $2 a month. For on Google Drive, MediaFire is the most generous. Their pro plan is a terabyte for $5 a month and it's been 50% off now for several months. So for 2 bucks and a half a month, you get a terabyte of storage.
1: Let me now, just tell you right now, I'm looking at the Dropbox plan today. Now today, the pro version is $10 a month. 100 gigabytes, which is not very economical. There is a business plan, five plus users. And the pricing for that is as follows. $15 per user per month, minimum five users, as much as needed. So I guess that's unlimited.
2: Yeah, it is. And also, when you have a business plan, the the shared folders... In the business plan, don't get counted against each user. So if you and I share a folder and it's got a gigabyte of files in it, it's taking up a gigabyte out of each of our quota on Dropbox. But with a business plan, it doesn't. So if you have multiple users, you do need a lot of storage. That's a pretty good deal. However, if you go to Mediafire, you can get 100 terabytes for 25 bucks a month. Now, it's not unlimited, but 100 terabytes? I mean, I, I could back up all my computers six times with that. The price isn't the only consideration. It's the ease of use. Dropbox, since they were really the first to do this, has become so well integrated that all sorts of apps use it, and both on the Mac and Windows, but also on Android and iOS. So it's very easy to choose Dropbox because of that integration. Something like Google Drive makes it a lot more complicated if you're on a Mac or an iPhone. You can get stuff from a Google Drive folder, but the apps won't work quite the same. It it may be a little bit more convoluted. You may even have to email files. I'm not even sure how you would do it. They Um,
1: want you to use their products and services.
2: Of course. And something like Mediafire, you can get access from a Mac. You can get access from ios and 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 android but it's the same thing it's not well integrated into apps i use a number of apps that text editors for instance that automatically use dropbox to store files and uh, my favorite text editor is ia writer it's a very simple text editor and i use both the mac and the ios versions and the ios version can look in dropbox but i doubt it can look in mediafire so it makes it very easy for me to keep using dropbox for those files now do you have a terabyte of files that you need to access with apps? No. One could use Dropbox for the files and something else for things you want to store. In other words, the files that apps have to access, you could put them into Dropbox with a small quota and you could use something else. Let's say um, I'm looking at the Mediafire website, a terabyte for two and a half dollars a month. You could use that to store big files and also share files with other people.
1: All right. Well, that's something we should look at. Maybe I should contact them to buy some ads. Yeah. um,
2: They they seem like a good service. I've tried them out. They gave me a a free one terabyte thing for a year to check it out. It's very smooth. The only reason I haven't used it a lot is the integration. It's worth pointing out that Google Drive is $10 a month for a terabyte. I currently have 65 gigs on Google Drive. You get 15 gigs for free, which is more than Dropbox. And when I bought that Android phone, um, I got 50 gigs for two years. So I have 65 gigs up until two years after I bought that Android phone. But even Google Drive is a a terabyte for $10 a month. If you're using Google products, that might be a good solution. If it's just for files, Mediafire seems to be the cheapest one. And as I said, they have a a Mac app and they have iOS and all that. There's also Box. I don't remember their pricing. I don't have their web page up here. I think what's going to happen though is when iCloud Drive comes out, we're going to find that Mac apps and iOS apps are going to use that just as well as they use Dropbox. So you're going to want to have some iCloud drive space, at least for files. Beyond that, again, if it's just to store files and to send them to people because they always let you send public links, any of these other services are fine. And if you need a lot of storage, basically go for the cheapest one.
1: All right. Yeah, That sounds, that sounds good. I like that. I like that. That sounds good. And obviously, the competition is going to be healthy for everyone. I think Apple should just make it free up to a terabyte. We have Kirk McElhern joining us. I'm Gene Steinberg. here in the Tech Night Out Live. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code.
16: Moms of America, stand up and stop taking abuse from your kids.
14: I pledge never to let my kid disrespect me ever again. I pledge to stop letting my daughter walk all over me. I pledge to stop living in fear of my son's anger.
13: I pledge never to feel like a bad parent ever again because I'm not.
11: I pledge to stop letting my child's behavior control my home. I pledge to be a mom with
16: kids who listen, a total transformation mom. I'm Janet Lehman, co-creator of the Total Transformation Program. We created the Total Transformation to help parents with difficult child behavior. Now, I'm giving it away free. All you need to do is get the program and let us know how it works for you. We'll let you keep it for free.
9: Call 1-800-256-7795. That's 1-800-256-7795. Call now. Call 1-800-256-7795. That's 1-800-256-7795. Question.
7: Could too many GMO foods and toxins be overloading your digestive and immune systems? Answer, yes. If you're searching for a powerful detox that's gentle enough to use every day, use Pro-EM-1 from Terragonics. Pro-EM-1 is a powerful liquid probiotic that uses good bacteria to suppress pathogens and gently eliminate toxins from your body. A healthy digestive system will cleanse and remove toxins, support weight loss, improve absorption of food nutrients, and aid in controlling yeast and other infections. Pro-EM-1 is made with only non-GMO and certified organic ingredients, has no preservatives, and is dairy, soy, wheat, and gluten-free. Pro-EM-1 is the key to your digestive health. Order Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terragonics.com, spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com, or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Also available through Amazon Prime. Pro-EM-1 from Terraganics. Life's getting better.
8: We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at techniteowl.com. That's news at techniteowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at com slash radio. That's com slash radio.
11: Or
1: subscribe on iTunes. The reason I say Apple should be more generous about storage is because they have these sprawling servers and really they're selling you hardware. And so charging you for a cloud-based storage system is an accommodation and nothing more. And I think they should give you a larger allotment of standard storage, maybe 100 gigabytes, and the terabyte should be two ninety nine a month. What do you think, Kirk McElhern?
2: I think that they should at least give you an amount of storage per device. If you have an iOS device and you're backing it up to iCloud, And let's say you've got three iOS devices. I've got, well, I actually have four. I have an iPhone, an iPad Air, an iPad mini that I no longer use, and an iPod Touch that I use to run iOS betas. Now, I don't back them all up, but my iPad Air and my iPhone, I do back up. So I have to sort of trim my backups to make sure I don't use up my five gigs because I really don't want to pay what Apple asks for their storage. It's not something I use other than for a handful of files and for backups. So I think at a minimum, For every Apple device you have, you should get a certain amount of storage, let's say for a year or two years or three years or whatever. The way Google gave me 50 gigs for two years when I bought the phone. I think the minimum should be at least something like 10 gigs, not the five. Um, Dropbox gives you 10 for free. Google gives you 15. I think they should at least match what these other companies do. But I think they should take into account the fact that if you have multiple devices you're gonna be making more backups because they're suggesting that you back them up to iCloud. And it's only fair that they, given the cost of the devices, it really doesn't cost them that much.
1: You know, what bothers me about the whole thing is the fact that these systems are not all perfect. There are failures. I don't know that people are losing their data. I won't make that assumption. I don't think they are. I've
2: never really heard anyone talk about losing data. I've heard people say that service A, B, or C is down. And these are always temporary, but if it's down when you need it, that's an annoyance.
1: I think that's the big problem right now, is that the fact is that uh, people are inconvenienced.
2: We trust these things. We depend on them now. Any any web host is going to tell you they have 99.9% uptime, and they may be true. But it's that one-tenth of a percent if it happens when, I don't know, A few months ago here in the UK is a very large bank called NatWest and their debit card system went down. This was the Saturday before Christmas, I think, in fact, or the Monday before Christmas or some, a big shopping day. And millions of people who use this bank were not able to buy things. Now, imagine you've gone out to a restaurant and you don't have another card and you can't pay for it. You're doing your Christmas shopping. You've been out all day and you've got an armload of stuff and you're at the checkout counter. So, while this may be one-tenth of a percent of downtime, and it actually turned out to be like 18 hours, it affects people very severely in certain situations. It's the same when your email's down. It's the same when you can't access, well, accessing Facebook, I'd say that's less of a big deal. Twitter goes down every now and then. We have come to depend on them, but of course, we have to also accept that we can't count on these things working 100% of the time. Well, we don't have a choice, God forbid there's no big blackout someplace where there's a data center like this. You can't have a UPS big enough to power the data center that runs iCloud or Dropbox.
1: Well, you know, Uh, iCloud is run by what, solar energy or something?
2: Well, it's renewable. I think it's part solar and part, and I can't think of the word, water going through dams, hydroelectric. So it's a combination of things. But the point is, it's going to happen every once in a while, but when it happens, it can be a major
1: annoyance. Let's hope as they progress, they will take care of this because every time it fails, the bigger the company, the more serious this becomes. Yeah.
2: Now, you're, you're a science fiction fan. Have you ever read a, I guess it's a novella, a short novel called The Machine Stops? Hmm. You've never heard of this. Um, it's C.S. Forrester, not E.M. Forrester, who is another author, I think. C.S. Forrester. It's called The Machine Stops. It was written in the 1920s. It basically describes a society... Well, the people weren't described as obese, but you could imagine they were because they were all sitting in these chairs and controlling everything, kind of like that Disney movie. Was it WALL-E where they were all like that? And one day the machine stops and they were used to having everything automatically given to them, their food, their mail and everything like that. I guess they had telephones back then too. And all of a sudden it stopped and it describes how the people react. Imagine what would happen to us. You know, there was a TV series. I don't know if it was canceled or not. Um, Revolution?
1: So something happened? It was canceled. What happens is that one day all electricity stops. Now, the series, I think, jumped the shark after a few episodes where they got past this. And now they're creating nano creatures and everything. And they created kind of a cliffhanger for the next season, which there will not be. Okay. So I just thought it was a good idea that really fell. Badly, down the rabbit hole.
2: Well, you know, with an idea like that, you can only go so far. And if they want to sort of lostify it, they have to make things confusing and complicated to keep people watching. So I I like that term,
1: lostify. Lostify,
2: yeah. The lostify something is to make it incredibly complicated so the people watching can't understand it, yet are addicted to trying to figure
1: it out. And you know what? I think the final episode, nobody ever figured out. I know that there have been interviews with the producers explaining well, the c- conclusion to Lost.
2: Yeah, there, there, was an, there was an interview
1: a few weeks ago. There's a
2: series that just premiered um, last week called The Leftovers. And the, the premise is simple. 2% of the people in the world disappear, a sort of rapture-like event. It's based on a novel. And Damon Lind- Lindelof is his name? David Lindelof, who's one of the showrunners of Lost, is running the series. And in an interview that I read, he was saying how affected he was by the criticism of the ending of Lost and that he would never do it again. So he's going to be more careful this time. This is another one of these series where you don't know why what happened happened and you can't keep putting people off forever. They're just going to give up if you don't get to the why it happened thing.
1: Now, we um, have this other TV show now, Under the Dome, which is based on Stephen yeah. King's story, where basically this dome suddenly encircles a small town in New England. Everything <laughs> happens in New England with Stephen King. In fact, in the well, opening the, episode of the new season, he wrote the script. He's there. And he's, and he's there in the bar. You see him sitting yeah. there.
2: Yeah. Um, Under the Dome was a really good novel for about 90% of it because what it shows is how the people react to this. The ending, I won't give away, was pretty lame, I and mean, I'm a big Stephen King fan, and I didn't like the ending. Now, I'm assuming in the TV series, it's just going to go on and on and on until they decide to end it, presumably with a different ending from what was in the novel.
1: Right, but um, you understand here, you've got this wonderful, talented character actor, Dean Norris, the heavyset yeah. guy, the bald heavyset guy,
17: he's Break- a brilliant Bad.
1: actor. He's also very funny in person, if you've ever seen he him, is. really funny. But here he plays this grim stone face kind of criminal who kills people and blames everybody else he is the entire show he's kind of yep. like brian cranston on that other show that breaking bad well he was on breaking, breaking bad, bad. He bad. right he was on breaking bad too by the way so yeah. you see you know if there's if there's no dean norris in every episode and <laughs> almost every scene it's not worth watching kirk macahern yeah. how do we find more of your stuff
2: Well, you go to my website, um, McElhern.com, M-C-E-L-H-E-A-R-N.com, and you can find me on Macworld, where I write the Ask the iTunes Guy column and all sorts of other articles.
1: Kirk McElhern, thanks for joining us on a Tech Night Out Live. Thanks for having me again, Gene.
9: Independently leading the way for the nation. Compelling talk. For every political persuasion, we are GCN. Neighbors, are you tired of
1: dealing with a slow web hosting provider? Well, check out A2 Hosting and their screaming fast Swift server platform. They even have SSDs that load pages 300% faster than the competition. Ready to give your site a speed boost? Well, tell you what, neighbors head on over to a2hosting.com. That's A2, that's number two, a2hosting.com. Check out their Prime Hosting account. And get this, neighbors, they're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount for all our listeners, 25%. And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24-7, 365 days a year to answer any of your questions. Now to get the discount, use the coupon code Gene
18: when you check out
13: Springtime
19: is save big time at Herbal Healer Academy. Long-term customers know spring is the time to stock up at herbalhealer.com. And for new customers, welcome to the web's best place to save on vitamins, minerals, and more. Log on for spring specials, including our 500 parts per million colloidal silver, all sizes on sale choose from Herbal Healer's great variety of weight loss products like Apple Cider Vinegar, Hootia and Metabolic Complex and Pro Metabolic, all on sale now. Also, the Anti-Parasite Intestinal Freedom and Warwood Plus Complex, plus Stevia Liquid Sweetener and the Super Enzymes all on sale for spring at HerbalHealer.com. As always, we offer certificate correspondence courses in natural medicine. Enjoy same day shipping and free online newsletter. Log on now to HerbalHealer.com and click on Spring Specials to save big with our nation's leader in supplying quality natural medicine and education since 1988, Herbal Healer Academy.
12: What's going to happen next? You never know when you're listening to the Tech Night Owl live
1: with Gene Steinberg. we have Rob Peguerero you'll find his stuff at usatoday.com you'll also find material at Yahoo Tech and other places and he has a story on his robpeguerero.com blog which echoes or maybe paraphrases a famous song I left my badge in San Francisco I will not try to sing it because if I did you'd turn off the radio very quickly Rob what happened?
20: Yeah, it's just this this thought I've had in my mind. I love going to San Francisco in business. Wonderful city. I uh, always have a good time. And, you know, even the the business parts of business travel there are pretty manageable. The, you can The subway goes direct to the airport, so there's no messing around with uh, taxis or whatever. The convention center is a short walk away from a million hotels, even if the hotels aren't as cheap as they used to be. But the real estate market in the Bay Area, and San Francisco in particular, is so messed up. Some of the friends I have there, they're not all... <laughs> Wealthy startup founders or venture capitalists. But you need to be one to pay the rent. And they're kind of getting hosed. It's not just because you have everyone trying to move to the Bay Area. It is a lovely part of the world. That's an understandable reflex. But they've chosen to make the housing market and their housing policy just – it's so counterproductive. It's incredibly difficult to build anything in the city. No one wants to invest in things to just make it easier to – Get into the city from elsewhere. Things as basic as putting in bike lanes. Somebody filed some bogus suit under the California Environmental Quality Act that held up putting in bike lanes for four years. Um, you know, looking at looking at San Francisco politics, it, it makes me sound an awful lot like a Republican.
1: Well, we won't get into that. But what happened to the conference badge?
20: Oh, well, that was just uh, you know me joking. The uh, conference in this qu- in this case was Google I O, and uh, I wasn't sure what to title this post that I'd started writing really late in the week, where it was basically expressing how I'm increasingly have two minds about the city. I love going there, but I hate what it's done to its housing policy and how that's hurting my friends and, and how the problems with it are really self-inflicted. You know, another case, the city just voted to uh, pass in a law. If you want to build something taller than like 50 feet on parts of the waterfront, your building has to go to a vote. That's nuts. You know, I don't think you should let people put up any horrifying, horrifyingly large building anywhere, but a vote? Who does that?
17: Well, and you so need to headline, know who to
20: bribe. Right. The headline just popped into my head, uh, I think Sunday morning. Right. I should reference I left my hurt in San Francisco, which uh, Macworld attendees may remember Tony Bennett saying at the last Macworld that Apple participated in in uh, 2009. I thought I left my conference badge in San Francisco. Boom. I don't know if that's great for SEO, but, you know, it's just a post in my blog. Well, it's one way. Yes. Let's talk about
1: stuff, okay? I'm going to ask you a little bit later about Google I.O., also about yeah. Google L, because yes. coming from New York, I think of L as the elevated train. Right. So I want to ride, or do I not want to ride, a Google L? What about the Aereo situation? Yeah. That's this is a, mess. definitely interesting to talk about, because somebody here is trying to find a way to bypass the cable and satellite companies. And it's funny, too, because a member of the board of directors and the chairman of this company that financed them is Barry Diller, who used to have Paramount Pictures.
20: Right. (laughs) The irony that very few people mention this. So with area of the Supreme Court, you know, I I read the transcripts of the, the oral hearings they had in April, and the tenor of those seemed to be basically the justices' seemed uncomfortable with what area was doing, but on the other hand, the, the the legal critique of what area was doing was basically, how dare you put in this technologically complicated system so that you could comply with the letter of the law, which is, that's the whole point. <laughs> you know, if Congress wanted to make it illegal to use, to rent antennas and use them to stream TV over the internet to you privately, they could have done so, and they had haven't done that. And so the core came up with this crazy logic where they said, well, essentially, never mind the technology. We're not going to get hung up about the inner workings of this. Well, you have to. It's the whole point. You know, if they'd applied that sort of logic to uh, the, the Betamax, who knows where we'd be now? It's a really dismaying opinion. And, and they keep saying, we don't mean this to affect other cloud services Says who? They've given a really broad invitation to other people to go after things that, while they do comply with the letter of copyright law, look like a service that uh, they compete with. You know, essentially, they said Aereo is guilty of looking like cable.
1: Well, if we understand the original cable system, the original cable system was not having you know 300 channels you don't want to watch. It was just delivering good reception to your over-the-air stations, particularly in cities where reception is bad. Maybe there's a lot of tall buildings like in New York City, or you live like in Wyndham, Minnesota, which is, what, 120 miles from St. Paul, Minneapolis, and you want to get all the big stations. We had to subscribe, when we lived there, to a cable system. This is many years ago. And then they decreed cable should have local-originated programming. And they made it possible then for the cable companies to have HBO and all the free or quote free cable networks. Okay. So originally though, it was just an antenna extender. And I yep. guess this is possibly part of the logic that Aereo used with their service. Well, not even this that. This is just an antenna extender.
20: Except the, the first cable systems, there was no pretense of we're just doing a private performance they put up one big antenna on top of the tallest building in town or the tallest hill outside of town, use that to pull in over-the-air broadcasts for free without paying a license or anything, and then charge people to get them in their homes. The advantage of the TV
1: stations, of course, is they get more viewers, right? they get higher ratings, so they may announce. So what happened here where now you've got to pay a retransmission fee, and part of it is that... The broadcasters, a lot of them, are owned by the big networks. So it's not just having, you know, Channel Five, CBS in Phoenix. It is the other CBS cable stations that they add to it.
20: Exactly. Uh, I guess I would say <laughs> regulatory capture. The Supreme Court ruled twice in the seventies that it was fine for cable systems to set up one big antenna and then use that to redistribute to retransmit local broadcasts to the subscribers. So what happened then is the, the, the TV networks, the TV stations, got to Congress and persuaded them to amend the copyright law. So in 1976, they added this transmit clause. And that's where you get into this whole realm of must-carry and retransmission fees, which now we hear about every time some cable or satellite operator gets into a dispute with the network over how much it should pay to retransmit local stations. And Arios whole workaround – is to not get into that game because they figured, realistically, you know, it's funny. The networks hate cable and satellite at every, at every re- retrans fight. They hate that these companies are their gatekeepers. But their response is not to introduce competition by welcoming Erieo and signing up a deal. They don't seem too interested in even inviting them to pay uh, royalties. So Erieo said, fine, we'll just have one tiny antenna the size of a penny per subscriber and when you tune in, you select a channel, that antenna is reserved for only you. And then it's an encrypted stream going directly to your TV. Essentially, a really, really long antenna going from miles and miles through the boroughs of New York to this. Their the first facility was somewhere, I think, in Long Island City. And that way, it's a private performance. And that's the whole part. The, the court said, yeah, but that's basically the short version of their, the opinion.
1: Well, I think what they were saying here, and we can argue about this. Their opinion here is that they were pulling a scam here to get around the need to pay a retransmission fee. And it's like having a bunch of lawyers go in a room and go through the copyright law and look for every nook and cranny in which they could escape that need. And that's what they did. So I don't think it's the result as so much they figured this is the intent is this complicated, sophisticated rent and antenna system was not about just being like the original cable. It was a way to find a trick around the copyright laws. And I'll ask you for more of your comments in a moment. Rob Peguerrero is joining us. We're talking about Aereo, which may right now be kaput. But we're not kaput because we're the Tech Night Out Live.
9: to GCN proudly sponsored by UnseenNow.com lock down your digital life at UnseenNow.com this is GCN
17: Hi, everyone. I'm Pharmacist Ben, nutritional pharmacist and host of The Bright Side. The good news about nutrition and health. The good news that if you or someone you care about is on a prescription drug or has some kind of health challenge, there's a gentle, natural, healthy way to address most health issues without drugs and without doctors, and it's as simple as understanding how the parts of the body work and how they interact with the foods we eat and the nutrients we take in. If you've heard me on the bright side or at one of my presentations, you know I'm a man on a mission. A mission to help you understand health and wellness and the remarkable healing powers of the biological system called the human body. And if you like the bright side, you're gonna love my new way website brightsideben.com you'll find articles and links you'll be able to access archives and we'll even have exclusive information that you won't hear on the radio show and of course you can purchase the longevity nutritional supplements and even sign up to join my longevity team and make an impact make a difference and maybe make some money too check out brightsideben.com that's brightsideben.com or call 866-735-2470 for more information
12: You never know what's going to happen next while listening to The Tech Night Isle, live with Gene Steinberg.
1: So Rob Peguerero writes for USA Today and Yahoo Tech. We're talking about Aereo, this fledgling system that would bring you the local TV stations with a DVR capability. Was it the DVR that kind of freaked out the Supreme Court?
20: Uh, with Ariel, no. It was just the fact that, I mean, if anything, the, the court ruling didn't actually address the issue of time shifting. They were looking at the fact that this is simultaneous, and, and they decided that it is a public performance, even though it's not by the dictionary definition. Now, you can say Ariel exploited a loophole, and you know what? For that, I will turn to uh, the, the very eloquent dissent written by Judge Antonin Scalia who said – entity said, loopholes exist for good lawyers to find an exploit and for Congress to fix if it chooses. You can say that they're using a loophole in the law. Well, you know what? That's what people do. And, you know, it's funny. The, The government seems fine with big companies using loopholes to do things like, say, shrink their tax burden down to nothing by shoveling earnings off into these shell companies in Ireland or the Cayman Islands or whatever. But in this case, we have this innovative company trying to shake up TV and introduce competition. And Nope. No loopholes for you. In this case, Scalia
1: sided with the company, which yeah. is kind of rare because he, you know, has sometimes a pretty unusual opinions. Yes. Okay. So at this point, they have this public comment section put up by the people from Aereo, I guess, trying to get public to react to create a groundswell, but they didn't have like a lot of customers. And- you know a lot of people looking okay it's 8 dollars 10 dollars whatever it is but for 1999 or 2999 I go to the legitimate cable and satellite companies and I get the local stations plus another 100 so was it such a deal unless you need to save 20 bucks
20: well let's look at that you know 20 or 40 dollar offer that's for the first 6 months it doesn't include your equipment fees and you know have you have you I don't know what uh, the going rate for a DVR is in your neighborhood but Around here with Comcast or Verizon, it's I think it's like fifteen to twenty bucks. So it's ten dollars
1: right. a month, but they pull it in a rather shameful way with DirecTV. It's ten dollars a month for the DVR and ten dollars a month for HD.
20: Right, because so they get so twenty
1: dollars even though it's only ten
20: dollars. If you understand <laughs> what I mean, I hate that HD surcharge. HD is the default cable or satellite operators that act like it isn't should really like go into a Best Buy sometime or look at Amazon. Who is buying SDTVs? You should have HD the default. What you know, SDTV? This... Yeah.
1: I can quit. buy a 50-inch, pretty decent 50-inch TV for $500. Right. My brother-in-law bought a 42-inch for, I don't know, $299. And maybe it's 249 now. You can buy a really well-reviewed Vizio for like less than $800, 55 inches, and all the bells and whistles, a beautiful picture. I mean – the price of admission has gone down, so there's no SD TV. You can get yourself a 32 inch TV for two hundred dollars. It's high definition. Yep. But of course they still charge. I mean, it's anything they could add to it. They nickel and dime you to death. Even if you get the twenty nine ninety nine deal, there may be all these extra surcharges for actually using it.
20: Yep. Yeah. And so Aereo, the, there were none of those things. The eight bucks that included, you know, DVR ability, and you know, you could. They had apps. They took their time shipping apps. Like, their Android app didn't arrive until relatively recently. But, yeah, I know people who use it, who liked it. A good friend of mine, he lives in uh, in Harlem in New York. And I asked him, so what are you doing? He said, well, we have a backup plan. He has a sling box parked at his in-laws in Illinois. So, they're still covered.
1: Okay, so with Aereo, they're delivering it over the air from your internet connection. So, normally, you'd pick it up, say, on your smartphone, tablet, or personal computer, and say if you have, like, an iPhone, you pick it up, you just send it through your Apple TV to your TV set? It's not direct.
20: Right, yeah. I mean, there were no TVs that were shipping with Aereo apps. Although, you know, if you have, like, spend 35 bucks on a Chromecast, bring up Aereo in your Chrome browser, it's the functional equivalent of that. And probably a lot of people like the fact that, you know, TV was suddenly something they had with them when they were going around. Which is a whole market that, you know, Comcast and some other cable companies have sort of gotten that way by shipping apps that let you watch, you know, all or most of the channels you pay for. But you know, with Area, that's that, that was part of the sales pitch from the start, not something added on.
1: All right. Now, looking at it in general, was it good service? It really looked good. Was it a well thought out product in terms of the picture quality and everything?
20: People I I talked to who were not a whole lot, they seemed pretty happy with it. The one complaint I heard, which sort of shows how area was trying to play by the rules, uh, the the CEO, Chet Kenogia, was interviewed at this conference in New York last summer. And somebody said, well, you know, why can't I watch my channels when I travel? And he said, well, no, we, we chose to, they're basically trying to duplicate the antenna experience. So if you went from New York to Boston, you wouldn't be able to watch your home stations anymore because you were not there. And... In retrospect, the company should have not bothered adding that sort of geo blocking code because the networks didn't care. They didn't get him any extra credit.
1: Okay. So the point is here is they really tried, at least technically, to make it yeah. look like it's just your TV antenna, but it's remote, it's in the cloud. Yep. Now, in theory, then, this goes back to the lower courts after the Supreme Court's decision. But as far as the company is concerned, they're kaput now unless they find a better way or unless they call the broadcasters and say, you know what, we'll pay you.
20: Yeah, they could. And then it's like some of these broadcasters seem, I don't get it. You know, people who have I would love to see stats on how many people have cut the cord and then gone back because, you know. I've been doing this for almost five years. And the idea that you're going to get me back to paying, it was 70 bucks a month at the time. Now it's going to be more like a hundred dollars for channels. I don't have time to watch. And the reason for me to do that is because you've bullied competitors out of the way. No, thank you. I have plenty of other things I can do with my time to reward that kind of conduct. So I don't know they, they may go to the networks hat in hand and see if they can cut a deal. But some of them have been so apocalyptic about, this is this is the end for us. Which the TV networks said that all the time. They said that about the VCR. If you remember this thing, I wish I'd, have, I'd had room to put in this column. There was this proposal for a content protection, a DRM scheme called the Broadcast Flag, that was supposed to ensure that people could not make perfect copies of over-the-air broadcasts. And the networks actually got the FCC to approve it, and it finally got struck down in court. And the whole idea was, if we don't have the Broadcast Flag, high-quality content will flee from the airwaves. BS. <laughs> the broadcast flag got taken down and the predictions of doom, the parade of horribles is yet to happen.
1: This is the same thing about removing DRM from yeah. the music tracks you download. Now of course they try to include the D V R specs. I think they have a was it Live plus three so that they're able to rate the people who watch it up to three days after as part of the rating But now they're talking about Live Plus 7, is it?
20: I don't know. I haven't haven't read about about that thing in particular.
1: Right, because you always look at the ratings of the show when it's broadcast, but also the people who watch it with time shifting. Of course, the people who time shift, a lot of those people skip the commercials. But even assuming they don't, or most don't bother, and just sit there and watch the show, the ratings could be 50% higher or more.
20: And good ads are designed to sort of at least get some kind of impression across in that sort of first second or two before people have mashed the, the the skip ahead button. You know, I mean, beyond being the ad should get its message across if you don't have the volume on, you know, if you see it out of the corner of your eye.
1: They're hoping for that. Yes. You know, you're involved in something or you're just paying attention to the show. And I understand that. You know, you get involved in a show that's really well done. There are quite a few TV shows now where even professional movie directors, famous movie directors, come to TV to do something. Oscar-winning actors come to TV and do shows. You know, like True Detective, was it, with Matthew McConaughey, for example. You know, coming with nominations, wins his first Oscar, he's doing a TV show. No one cares anymore. They go back and forth. You know, they find a good property, they do it. Yep. Lots of good things to watch. And sometimes, you you know, with, obviously with premium cable, there are no commercials. But with a traditional USA network or sci-fi channel, it has the same number of commercials as regular TV. And sometimes you just get so involved, you don't think for a moment to push that fast-forward button. And so you do see a commercial from time to time. Yeah. So I guess the big question here, and we'll get into more of this in our next segment, what does Aereo do? Do they close up shop? Because that's what Barry Diller, I think, yeah, was quoted as so. saying, "This is it. We gave it a good shot. It didn't work. That's it." But it looks like Aereo does not want to go out without a fight. We're not going to fight this guest because he's Rob Picarrero. No one fights <laughs> with him. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out live. <laughs>
9: Think Alive. The network for the independent-minded. The Genesis Communications Network.
1: G.C.N. Henry Ford once said, a man who stops advertising to save money is like a man who stops a clock to save time. Alex Castle here, the National Account Executive at GCN. I have the ability to customize a national radio campaign based on your budget while targeting your demographic. Contact me to find out how national radio can help your business be more profitable at 877-996-4327, extension 177. That's 877-996-4327, extension 177, and help me help you bring your business to the next level.
15: Got a simple question for you. Can you sell? Yes? Okay. Can you sell the intangible? If yes, and you'd like to work 9 to 5, Monday through Friday, with no overtime, no weekends, if you're passionate about not closing sales, but about opening relationships, if you truly have a desire to serve global clients who need your advertising expertise, and you're local to the Twin Cities and Burnsville, are hardworking, self-driven, with experience in sales, marketing, or advertising, are personable and a whiz on the phone, GCN wants to talk with you right now. GCN, the Genesis Communications Network, is one of the largest just independent talk radio networks in the world, and we're hiring right now. We offer benefits and an excellent commission structure. Experience preferred, but we'll train the right person. Is that you? Submit your resume today to advertise at gcnlive.com. Again, that's advertise at gcnlive.com. Come work with the Genesis Communications Network, an equal opportunity employer. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to
8: happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg.
1: Now he's going to tell me somebody did fight him the other day at a bar or something. I'm kidding. Rob Pegarello joins us, writes for... USA Today, Yahoo Tech, and other places. We're talking about Aereo. This would be cable replacement cord-cutting system where supposedly you lease an antenna, a tiny antenna at their data center, and watch TV. So they're trying to continue in business. I think as far as the TV networks are concerned, they just should say, you know what? A buck's a buck. You know, pay us some money, and we'll let you continue.
20: Yes, that would be nice. We'll see. I mean, It the, won't happen, but that's what
1: could happen or should happen.
20: The video industry has this habit of just not taking the customer's money when the customer is willing to give it up. Uh, and the music industry, which used to have that mindset, that they are just so incredibly progressive in comparison to movies and TV. So where does it go? Do you think this is it? Yeah, I mean, un- unless they can miraculously get some deal that, that allows their costs to not completely explode... And they can get one with all the major networks. And then that's, yeah, good luck with that. It doesn't look good.
1: Now, let's look at the impact in a general sense. It's not just one company that tried and failed. It is a way of delivering content from the cloud. Of course, all the other cloud systems we know about, they already have licenses, to present the material. Netflix signs licenses with the content providers. Some are even owned by the content providers, such as Hulu Plus. So is this gonna create the climate for somebody else to look at this and maybe find a better way? Or is that it? Aereo fails, we gotta do it by the authorized route.
20: I think what happens is, you know, people who are already getting fed up with the cost and inflexibility of a multi-channel subscription package for TV, you know, they may just decide, you know, we can deal without live TV. If, if, you've, if you're doing enough time shifting, if you're already, you know, not that into watching stuff in real time. It depends a lot on sports, too, I guess. And if the sport you want to watch is something that was on broadcast. That is the case with football, not so much with baseball, certainly not with hockey or basketball. But anyone in the TV industry who thinks that the demise of area is going to slow cord cutting is a fool. That's not going to happen. Um, you know this—it's a, it's a trend that exists, and the industry now acknowledges it, which didn't used to be the case. You know, I don't know where you go to get what this does for certainly local news—that's one thing you can't get on a Netflix or anything like that. Although, do you want to? I don't know. Uh, you know, watching well, the local stations Sure, hope you do. Right, they make a lot of money off those programs. Uh, you know, watching. In fact, they make more money off that than on the network fare they carry. Right. And that you think they would be more open to having wider distribution. This may mean that more people try just getting over-the-air TV the old-fashioned way with an antenna. I've gotten a bunch of press releases in, in the last week saying, "Hey, you know, aerial users, try our antenna. It works better for reception in distant areas." Which there has been a lot of work in that in that department. It's you know, TV broadcast TV doesn't get enough credit for how it's made getting rid of cable an easier option. When instead of getting crummy analog, you hopefully can get great over-the-air reception by a digital, you may get utterly awful over-the-air reception by a digital.
1: Hand raised, just for an experiment, I bought a Radio Shack digital antenna. This was during the time of an outage of Direct TV; It wasn't working right, maybe because of weather. So I said, let me try this, you know, write a story about it. And, you know, some stations came in fine, other stations, a lot of digital gunk. And I would move it around like an old rabbit ears. Yep. It still wasn't consistent. So if they could solve that problem, and remember, I'm not right near the station. I'm maybe between 20 and 25 air miles from the transmission towers. I'm not in an area with high buildings. You know, it's kind of a, we won't talk about the neighborhood, but mostly private homes, apartments, that kind of thing. Low slung story or two. All right. So what are they doing to give me the antenna I need if I want to do the cord cutting.
20: Well, if you look at the advice on sites like tvfool.com, you know, for that distance, an indoor antenna almost certainly isn't going to work. You, you want to look at something you can put in an attic on the roof. And if, if you're, you know, in an apartment, that's a tougher nut to crack. That, that's a tough reception area. I'm very lucky to live maybe like four miles from most of the TV transmitters. I can't count on everything coming in well, but it certainly comes in well enough. Like we have no real regrets about our TV reception situation. So,
1: I guess one thing they could do is put more amplifiers built in on the antenna, so if you can't stick them outside, you get better reception?
20: Yes. I've tried a bunch of uh, antennas like that. I mean, I've seen a bunch. I can't really try them because the advice for that sort of thing is if you're within a certain range, the amplifier will not help, it. it may make things worse. So... You know, I've tried one or two at my mom's house in northern New Jersey, which is a good ways off from the uh, transmitters in, in New York City, and that didn't do a whole lot. But again, this was being done with an indoor antenna, which is not something recommended. And I can see that because her neighbors, two or three of them, do have old school antennas on their rooftops. How far are they from New York City? I'm thinking it's like 25 miles Uh, You know, I can tell you exactly how long it takes By the train, but that is not a straight line No,
1: and that is similar To my situation, and that is Considered a fringe area Yeah Okay, so we understand All right. so let's see where it goes With TV technology, will there be another area Will they find another scheme Doesn't look like it, but It was a nice try Nice try But the TV stations got him. There you go. Let's go to San Francisco. Google I.O. The yes. big thing is Google
20: L. Is there going to be a real name or is it still going to be just the letter L? There will be a real name. That's that seems pretty clear. No one at Google is talking about it. So right now it's just the L version or the L preview. Uh, you know, K was KitKat, uh, J was jelly Bean. So what are, what are desserts that begin with L? Um, I'm not sure, but they'll they'll think of something, I'm sure. Google Limburger cheese. That's not a dessert. And it's kind I of know. a controversial cheese at that.
1: Don't want to go into it. Because that smells. Yes. So that's somebody who maybe uses iOS. We'll call it Google Limburger cheese. Okay. Now, obviously, the number of new features that I read is nowhere near as big as iOS 8. But they are doing things that Apple did, number one, There's a new interface called Material. It has nothing to do with Madonna (laughs) here, right? What is
20: Material all about? Material design. What they want to do is essentially use graphics uh, and and visual effects to give a sense of of depth and motion to what's going on on the screen. Haven't I
1: heard that before?
20: Right. In some ways, it's, it's almost an opposite of what... Apple is doing with iOS 7 where you have you know each application is flat there's a sense of depth behind the app you know you have that parallax effect as you tilt your iPad or your iPhone from left to right and the background moves beneath the icons but each app icon is supposed to be flat and the interface of each one that there's not much of a sense of uh there's much of a z axis if you want to get uh, technical about it so what does this mean in the real world uh it means you know not huge differences to some apps. The, the example of it that I saw demonstrated where I thought, okay, this makes sense. Right now when you, you touch the recent apps button in Android, you get this list very much like what you see in iOS 7 because Apple basically copied the idea of thumbnail views of each open app. You scroll up and down to see, uh, you know, switch from one to the other see what's going on in each of them. In the material design version of that, as you scroll up, the the lowest card in the stack slides underneath the others. So this should sort of accelerate your, your scrolling a little bit. And it may make it a little more obvious that, you know, this is how far along you are and the number of open apps you've got. That seems like a worthwhile innovation. The, the calculator I looked at had a couple of good ideas that made it a little more obvious how certain things worked than they are now.
1: So maybe um, they looked into the little box of features and they said, what could we do that is the opposite of what Apple is doing so we look different? So I they might think, they think, think different, different their works. own way with this Google Limburger cheese. I'm joking. But we'll talk more about the features of material design and more about Google L, and we're not gonna ride Google L with Rob Pegoraro. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Eye Live. <laughs>
0: for the report the Fed hopes you'll never see. As good as gold can be yours by calling 800-686-2237. If you have ever thought about owning gold, you must read this report. Call Midas today at 800-686-2237.
6: What good is a Big Berkey water filter?
5: We get that question a lot here at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. And in a word, the answer is protection protection from water main breaks, E. coli contamination, environmental chemical spills, pesticide runoff, chlorine taste and smell, and all forms of fluoride. Plus, Big Berkey water filters are the original gravity water filter system and most trusted on the market for a reason. Tested by multiple independent NSF EPA certified labs, they are the gold standard in water purification. At only 1.7 cents a gallon, a single set of filters can last for 5 to 10 years. That means big savings. Big Berkey, the one that's Powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water. Get a Big Berkey today at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. GCN listeners receive 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit our website or call one 99 berkey That's eight seven seven ninety nine 99 berkey Big Berkey Water Filters, for the love of clean water.
16: Moms of America, stand up and stop taking abuse from your kids.
14: I pledge never to let my kid disrespect me ever again. I pledge to stop letting my daughter walk all over me. I pledge to stop living in fear of my son's anger.
13: I pledge never to feel like a bad parent ever again, because I'm not.
14: I pledge
11: to stop letting my child's behavior control my home. I pledge to be a mom with kids who
16: listen, a total transformation mom. I'm Janet Lehman, co-creator of the Total Transformation Program. We created the Total Transformation to help parents with difficult child behavior. Now I'm giving it away free. All you need to do is get the program and let us know how it works for you. We'll let you keep it for free.
9: Call 1-800-256-7795. That's 1-800-256-7795. Call now. Call 1-800-256-7795. That's 1-800-256-7795.
1: So it's Google L all the time, or at least part of the time with Rob Peguerero after we talked about cable, satellite, and Aereo, whatever that was. And now we're talking about this material design interface, and it's kind of, it's not quite polar opposite of iOS 7, but it is rather different.
20: Yeah. You know, I think overall, it, it's kind of a mistake, I think, to get too hung up on these design trends because in general, iOS and Android have gotten a lot more alike. You know, each of them, if you swipe down from the top, you get updates about what's going on, or you, you will soon in iOS 8. Uh, they have a similar interface for showing you which apps are open, which I guess really both got the idea from Palm's Web OS going back several years.
1: Which, and by the way, Palm's WebOS is part of your LG TVs now.
20: Yes. Remember, seeing that at CES, I haven't heard from any people who've bought an LG WebOS-equipped TV yet. I am sure they're out there three or four. I
1: wonder how many people even pay attention. You know, they're busy watching their cable satellite and they don't pay attention that much to the TV's interface.
20: But they should. I mean, it, there are a lot of really ugly and clunky and slow smart TV interfaces around. I mean, that's one thing to get back to, I know Google is trying to take a crack at with Android TV, which, you know, unlike Google TV, they're not trying to take the place of the cable box. They just want to make it easier for you to, uh, you know, watch video from one online source or another.
1: Let me ask you a question here. Parenthetically, Google makes the money from the targeted ads. So, what do they do with these TV interfaces? How does that reflect their marketing plan?
20: Uh, I think that is not so much as can we sell ads against this, but more in terms of, you know, can we increase the the utility of the Android phone or tablet you already have, which is kind of a necessary thing to either use as a remote control or you know, just you know how to use this device, you know how to use that device. And it's they the same logic. They want to tie you,
1: know. you into their ecosystem.
20: Right. What Apple does with the Apple TV is not so different. In this case, Google is, you know, wants other people to build this into their existing hardware. And we'll see how well that goes. The the lineup of manufacturers they announced at I.O., they, they had uh, Sharp and Philips, bunch of companies that are much more obscure in the U.S. market. And they mentioned Sony, but they said Sony was only going to do this on their 4K TVs, the really expensive ones that I don't think anyone's buying right now. Three or four people may have a 4K
1: TV. I'm waiting for the P-Series from Vizio because they will be affordable, just a few hundred dollars above their standard set. So we have to see where that goes. Okay, so we have the material design. We have revisions and notification manager, recent apps, stuff like that.
20: Any other ten-pole features for Google L? Uh, The the ones that really caught my eye, which I liked, one of them is going to sort of catch up to something you've been able to add through third-party features for a while, which is don't throw up the phone's lock screen if you're in a trusted space. Now, for a while, you've been able to install various third-party apps that will disable the lock screen if you're on your home Wi-Fi in the L version, and that'll be built in. And it'll also be able to know, if you happen to be wearing an Android Wear watch, like the one I have on my wrist right now, you will... have my sympathy. When it's as hot as it is outside in D.C., a, a thick plastic watch is not the best thing ever. Anyways, the phone will be able to see that it is linked by Bluetooth to this thing that you have, and it can disable the lock screen there as well. That's a good idea. And another one, which is, you know, I noted before how... Apple bars and things from Google. Google is not above doing the same. The L version will have a sort of factory reset protection thing, which sounds like it'll be exactly like the kill switch in iOS 7 that ensures that you cannot reactivate a stolen phone, even if you try to wipe and reset it. It will still ask for the original uh, iCloud password to unlock it.
1: So this will be the Google
20: Play password? Yes.
1: Okay. All right, so we're looking here at a few features that integrate the various devices so they kind of lock you in. And it sounds like a handful of features other than the new interface. Doesn't sound like a lot to me.
20: Well, I wouldn't go that far. I'm actually sort of looking through my IO notes right now to make sure I didn't miss anything. This was a 2.5-hour keynote, which may sound long, except uh, last year it was a 3.5-hour keynote.
1: So they're learning it's better to be
20: brief. Well, eventually, you know, journalists have to go to the bathroom, so it was nice of them.
1: Especially at my age, he's not saying anything. <laughs> okay, so let's continue. Yes. What else is there that's compelling about
20: Google L? Battery life. They're they're working right. on that. In another case, where they're sort of borrowed from third party vendors, uh, they're going to add a battery saver mode, which is something you can turn on as an option in the Galaxy S5 from Samsung. It's something that can run automatically in the HTC One M8 where it sees that you're running low on battery and it'll sort of start shutting down non-essential services, even to the extent of, on the Galaxy S5, switching the screen to black and white because that has an OLED screen and OLED screens, organic light-emitting diode, they use less electricity to display a dark area than a, a white area. They're sort of like plasma TVs in that way. Uh, and so putting that into the core Android software, that that is a good case of taking good ideas from elsewhere and making them a standard feature because we all kind of need that feature what else jumped out at me so the, there's some stuff we'll have to see how well it works they're talking about having a new app runtime that they say is twice as fast as the old one well the
1: old one is using like a java type layer and that intermediary layer slows it down quite a bit it's like you're running a java app on your mac or pc it's never yeah, as I... fast as a native app
20: I, I can't say I really notice any sort of lag like that. The the lag I, I see and complain about on my phone is the same that I see and complain about on my computer, which is when the internet connection or the wireless bogs down for one reason or another. But it takes really powerful hardware on well, Android smartphones and days. our tablet
1: to get really good food, speed.
20: And uh, here we go. Here's the rest of my notes. It was weird because they sort of started talking about Android L and then jumped to some other stuff and then returned back to it. Yeah, so I mentioned the personal unlocking thing where it only un- it keeps the lock screen in some areas but not in others. Uh, you know, app indexing so that your search will return results not just for what's on the web but what's in your own app. You know, a lot of the time I cannot remember, did I, did I see this? Was it in Twitter? Was it in Facebook? Where is it? So little fit and finish stuff like that. You know, for me as an Android user, I am the best feature you can deliver for me is better battery life. And I think every iOS user would say that as well. A lot of the hard problems, I'm not going to say they're solved, but we have phones that work pretty well. And the issues you come up with are more in terms of how do you get this to work with other devices? How do you get this to work with the limits of its own battery? All
1: right, so this is going to be out this fall sometime.
20: Yes, yeah. There's a preview out for developers. I know people will have it on their phones already. Uh, Sometime between now and the fall, they'll... Give it a dessert name. And I have a Nexus 4, so I anticipate getting it from my phone fairly soon after that. And hopefully, I don't know. I can't guarantee that. We'll see. The, the, so far, the, the preview version is for the Nexus 5 and the Nexus 7. But the Nexus 4 didn't stop being sold all that long ago. So I trust that I will have this release. Okay, that's always a
1: big issue with Android stuff, which is how old... Must your smartphone be to be eligible for the update? Even if you have a fairly new one, will you get that update? I'm going to ask you whether this is something that Google might have addressed in the rollout for Google L. Well, we've got more to come. Rob Pegarero is here, front and center. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. <laughs>
9: listening to GCN, proudly sponsored by UnseenNow.com. Lock down your digital life at UnseenNow.com. This is GCN.
12: You're listening to The Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next.
1: It's Google L, not the elevated trains in New York, but the name of the next operating system, which is going to be, what, version 5?
20: Uh, Yes, yeah, right now the current version is 4.4.4. And yes, version 5, you mentioned before, how are we going to know that this will be available on, on the phones you have now? One good sign is that they actually have shipped a public preview. Instead of saying, here, this is done, and some manufacturers might have had time to play with it privately beforehand, but it's not the same as having it in wider circulation. The, they also talked a bit about uh, sort of an underappreciated aspect of Android, which is how many updates have been moved into an, an app called Google Play Services, which is something that, unlike the entire Android OS, it's this one particular package that Google can update directly. It doesn't need to wait for Verizon to spend six months testing it. And so a lot of security and feature updates now come through Google Play Services updates. And that's a smart approach. If you can't keep your software current one way, Find another way. you know. Work around the carriers as best as you can.
1: Okay, so this is a way to get at least some of the updates. But obviously, you're not going to get a full OS update that way. You might get yeah. a security patch. And as yeah. long as you stay within the Android environment, the official app store, you're okay. But that's true also with yeah. an iPhone. If you jailbreak it, all bets are off. All the security that Apple's done, forget about it.
20: Yeah, I hate a lot of coverage of smartphone malware since they act as if everyone is running around unlocking, not unlocking, but, you know, selecting that off-market sources checkbox, which you have to go several layers deep to get to, to install random apps. You know, most people do not. I've spent a lot of time criticizing apps that have insecure defaults. Well, in this case, the default in Android is quite secure. So... You know, I would look at that and not so much what happens if you throw caution to the wind, install some side load, some random app from some developer you've never heard of. Well, bad things will happen, just like they can happen on your Mac if you disable Gatekeeper, or even if you just do it for one particular download with that little right-click shortcut.
1: Okay, so if you basically go by the rules on yep. Android, you should be okay.
20: Or not even go by the rules, just don't change stuff, just... Do things the easy way. Take the default settings. Don't tinker with uh, preferences. You know, going by the rules can sound like it's more work than it is. But, you know, if you Going you're, by
1: the rules means not doing any work, just sitting back and using the device. Yeah.
20: If, if you're lazy and distracted and you just want to use the phone, you should be fine.
1: So basically, if you're lazy and distracted, you're safer. Right. Because you're yeah. not going to bother. You're going to basically get the phone. You're going to set it up. You're going to do the basics just to get things to work. Maybe download a few apps, get on with your life, and then things should be okay. Yes. yeah. If, but if now you we want go to back to the full OS upgrade. We're not talking about Google yes. Play. We're not talking about making it safer for you to download apps. We're talking about the entire operating system. There, they've got to go through the entire step to the handset maker, to the carrier, to get them to download this thing, to make it available for download. So what are they doing about that?
20: The news there is is better for people outside the U.S. than here. The, they started by talking about, you know, yes, there are like a, a billion actively used Android devices, not just looking at activations, but devices that actually hit the web. But in markets like India, it's more like 10% penetration, and they want to do something about that. So their initiative is something called Android One, where they basically provide a sort of core design to manufacturers who can then, they can tweak the hardware of it and the design. It cannot tweak tweak the software. Android It's basically One phones,
1: almost like half of what Apple does. Apple gives you iOS. It's on the device. You're not going to change it. You're going to have to go back to Apple to get it. But, of course, this is Apple-owned hardware as opposed to dealing with a third party.
20: Right. So in this case, with an Android One phone, you have this reference design you have to build to. You can then tweak it, You know, put in a better camera, better battery, whatever you want, maybe a second SIM card slot. The software will be stock Android coming from Google with updates. Sounds like basically is the same schedule as Nexus phones.
1: What happens now is a lot of these companies want to make the phones their own. And Samsung is one of the worst offenders. Where they add a load of junk, proprietary junk that's only good for the Samsung users. So the Galaxy S5 is therefore different, not because it has Android, but because of what they put on other than Android. But they're kind of stuck still. As you say, maybe for smaller companies who don't have the resources to build their own stuff, good or bad, they can go with this. But what happens to a company like Samsung, which owns the Android market?
20: Yes. And what's interesting here is that Android One, the whole point is to go after these developing markets. So they want these phones to sell for 100 bucks unsubsidized. But you know what? People could pay maybe $150, you know, a gray market premium to get an Android One phone here that will offer much, if not most, of the utility of a $600 Android phone. And if you have T-Mobile, you know, you actually benefit from that because the service doesn't include a subsidy to cover the price of the phone. Uh, I could see people, you know, looking to get these phones into the U.S. market, even though they're not intended for that. Speaking of T-Mobile,
1: let's pass Google L. We'll learn more about it as we progress. As pre-releases are out there as the thing is rolled out to new handsets okay t-mobile got the wrath of the feds over overcharging hundreds of millions of dollars
20: worth yeah, this is something where I've just started reading up on this. Uh, apparently, they they were for a time. The, their their CEO John Ledger he just posted a long note on their site saying, "Look, we stopped this in two thousand thirteen, and you know we're we're now setting up this proactive refund policy, so you don't need to come to us asking for your money back. We'll give it to you." But yeah, the FTC is is not too amused with that company right now. Is this FTC or FCC or both? Uh, it's it's the Federal Trade Commission that launched it. Okay. File the first complaint. The FCC has some jurisdiction as well. I don't remember offhand if they've uh, used that to take a look into this case. All right. And, yeah, it's, it's another case where this sort of story seems to happen too often in the telecom industry where people f- find that they're being asked to pay for stuff that they, do, they don't want, they don't remember signing up for. And, yeah, it's a bad habit. It's not customer-centric behavior. I've seen stories about this from all sorts of places. And if it's not the carriers themselves, it's various shady uh, messaging services that try to cram services down on you because you, you know, you send a text message to this one number and that means you somehow give consent for them to send a bill to your carrier for you. It gets automatically stapled onto your bill.
1: And the problem is here, this is all buried in the fine print.
20: Yes. Yeah.
1: It's not so easy to look at it and say, wait a minute, what's that? Yep. Okay, so let's look at this further. So as far as we're concerned, or at least as far as they claim, yeah. T-Mobile doesn't do it anymore. Right. This is the old T-Mobile, not the new T-Mobile.
20: The one that was fighting off, A- or was not fight- fighting off AT&T's embraces.
1: All right. But what about the other carriers?
20: Yeah, that, um, yeah, like I was saying, I, I don't think this is, Historically speaking, this kind of practice has been any sort of exclusive on the part of one carrier. That's, um, I mean, if you're cramming in general, that, that's not even confined to wireless. That happens a lot with landline as well.
1: Cramming is loading these extra services that you know nothing about and maybe you didn't there's order anything. There's cramming
20: and there's slamming, and I don't actually remember the exact difference between the two at the moment.
1: Now, I had that a couple of times in the old days where... I had these services suddenly added and I yell at the carrier and say, Get that off. I didn't order that. And after a little bit of protest, okay, well we'll get rid of it. All right. Now this is a point. Say you look at your bill. Shouldn't that extra service be on there, or is it so buried on all the extra charges that's going to be almost impossible without an accountant at hand, maybe not even then, to figure out what they're doing to rip you off. And I want to get into more of this. Let's see if other companies pull what T-Mobile claims they don't do anymore. We're going to have to see. We have Rob Peguerrero. He hangs his hat in a number of places as a freelance writer. He writes for USA Today and Yahoo Tech and other places he'll tell you about. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. <music>
9: not just an alternative to the mainstream media. We are the premier independent talk radio network. We are GCN. Neighbors, are you tired of dealing
1: with a slow web hosting provider? Well, check out A2 Hosting and their screaming fast Swift server platform. They even have SSDs that load pages 300% faster than the competition. Ready to give your site a speed boost? Well, tell you what, neighbors, head on over to A2hosting.com. That's A2, that's number two, A2hosting.com. Check out their Prime Hosting account. And get this, neighbors, they're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount for all our listeners. 25%. And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24-7, 24-7, 365 days a year to answer any of your questions. Now, to get the discount, use the coupon code GENE
6: when you check out. This alert just came in. This special announcement is for business owners and leaders of organizations who've been waiting for the right time to build. General Steel has made it impossible to wait any longer with rock-bottom prices that could save you thousands. Close. You can't afford to wait. So call 866-91-STEEL. Lock in your price now. Call 866-91-STEEL. That's
12: 866-917-8335. Whoa! This is big!
15: not just big, it's the Freeze-Dry Guy's Giant Factory Authorized Sale. This month, save 30 to 45% off on number 10 cans of high-quality Mountain House Freeze-Dried Foods. From the Freeze-Dry Guy, factory fresh stock just arrived, so now is the time to stock up with the finest, best-tasting, longest-proven shelf life foods in the industry at giant savings of 30 to 45% off. But hurry, supplies are limited to only the stock we have on hand. Call 866- 404-3663 free shipping to the lower 48 states click freeze dry or call 866 404 that's freeze dry hurry the giant factory authorized mountain house sale is going on now only from the freeze dry guy the finest freeze dried and dehydrated foods available anywhere for long-term storage
20: Hi, my name is DeRay. Suffering from migraines, having Botox injections in my head and neck to alleviate pain, costing $1,500 out of my pocket. I discovered Dr. Ortman and gentle touch chiropractic adjustment called Nuka. I'm migraine free since my first adjustment. Thanks for giving me my life back, Dr. Ortman. I wish they prescribed you instead of Botox. Thanks, DeRay. Putting the bones back in place is only half of the solution. We design a nutritional supplement program the body can handle, actually absorb, providing nutrients, targeting the problem area. Between NUCA and nutrition, we will have you on the road to a faster
18: and more permanent recovery.
20: Look us up on the web at drwortman.com or call 952-303-9124. Let us help you feel better faster. Wellspring Spinal Care at 952-303-9124. Again, that's 952-303-9124. Or on the web at drortman.com.
12: You're listening to The Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next.
1: On The Tech Night Owl Live, Rob Peguerrero joins us. So, I guess we have two questions here. Are the other carriers pulling the same stunt? And isn't it sometimes impossible to even know that's happening?
20: Yeah, I mean, the billing transparency and discoverability, you know, words I use a lot when grading user interfaces, they apply to bills as well. Words like transparency and discoverability that I use a lot when I talk about software interfaces, they, they apply to bills as well. Uh, in the case of something like your cell phone bill, and this is especially so if you have it done paperlessly, and then you never just see it. It's it's put on your credit card or sent to your bank account automatically. It's really easy to lose track of this. You know, last time I was, um, I think over Easter, like my mom realized she'd been with her cable company for a year and a bunch of existing discounts had just come off, and which meant that suddenly she was paying 10 bucks a month extra for this DVR she wasn't actually using. So my doing my job as, as a good son was to right. take this DVR back to the nearest cable vision outlet, turn it in, And no, that said, it was nice that all these extra charges vanished once I called about them. But you have to sort of know to look and say, hey, I'm I'm paying more than I was. Why is that? The bigger scam sometimes is what you cannot see. And we were talking all this discussion we had about retransmission fee fights earlier. Can you see on your cable bill how much you're paying to get any of the local stations? What about ESPN? What about, I don't know, the Weather Channel? You don't know. And so that's the part I hate about reading about carriage disputes and retransmission fights. It's companies, huge companies, arguing over how much of your money they propose to spend. And you have no direct vote in that, except it extreme resort of firing your cable company and cutting the cord entirely. Let me just look at my
1: AT&T bill here. Now, I have one of these family share plans. It's not that expensive. So there's some crazy fees on there, but they don't seem suspicious. There is a nine eleven service fee for 20 cents. Arizona state telecom surcharge, $1.56, because Arizona wants to get their own cut. Administrative fee, 61 cents. City telecom surcharge, $1.32. What the heck's that? County telecom surcharge, 19 cents. So Why I guess it's so cheaper mean, for the
20: county versus the city. I would think the county is a much bigger expanse.
1: But it turns out to be the reverse. So this is like a local <sighs> charge. Federal universal service charge, $1.36. This is what they supposedly give for rural areas regulatory cost recovery charge 92 cents what looks like a tax but it isn't (laughs) okay now that's about it for AT&T they're pretty straightforward not a lot of extra fees it's like five dollars and something so where is it they've got so many different fees here it's five dollars and eight cents for that now everything (laughs) else the discounts are all spelled out for each line on our mobile contract when you add it all together it makes no sense And then, of course, you also want to look at the calls, a list of calls to see if any carry an extra fee, because it should be zero. You got a free bucket of minutes. All the minutes I need should be free, because that's the package I'm paying for, unless that call to Europe that snuck in there. You didn't expect Right. Okay. It looks to me like it's a pretty straightforward bill. What I'm contracting for, I'm getting, evidently. I'm not using too much data. And the price is within the range of what I expect. I should be happy. Right. All right. So they're not slamming me with anything. I think that happened years ago. It doesn't happen as much now. Am I wrong?
20: There's, there were a lot of cases where there were some really egregious instances of, I think the worst I can remember, something like if if you had um, one of the big, maybe it was at and if you had them as your carrier and you hadn't picked any sort of long-distance service, you would be on this ridiculously painful price plan and this was before at the, at the time a lot of wireless phone plans themselves did not include long distance. So, yeah, there were some real cases of abuse and, and things that, you know, were not just egregious but looked horrible in the news where you're talking about ripping off old people who have, you know, been with this company for forever and you know, are not in the habit of I guess defensive consumerism, if you will. So, basically, if you didn't know to look at your bill real
1: carefully, And you had all these little companies, these crazy companies that arose, and they made their profits strictly by ripping off you, by making some kind of carry-on deal with the carrier. But didn't they have to contract with an AT&T or a Verizon to be able to pull the skullduggery?
20: I don't know. That's that's going back. That sort of predates my, you know, I'm thinking back when this would have been, this is going back as far as before AT&T, became this company based in Texas. This was sort of like what was left of the original AT&T based in New Jersey. This is like Wait,
1: 2006 or something, or even earlier. Even earlier than
20: that. So yeah, I don't remember quite how all this nonsense got started, but but like I was saying, it, it's an easy habit to, if if you think you can spend someone else's money and get away with it, you will. And a lot of the way the telecom industry is set up encourages that kind of behavior.
1: Now, the other thing that bothers me
20: about it is, there's no one price anymore.
1: They've got so many different deals under so many different circumstances. And the deals keep changing that if you don't call your wireless carrier every three to six months and say, you got a better deal before I dump you and get the early termination fee rebate from the rival company, they'll find something. There's always something there. I mean, in the last year, I've called AT&T three times. And three times my bill went down for the same services. Why? Because they had some new package that include something you heard about or something that didn't exist until you threatened to leave. It's like going to the car salesman. Tell me, if you go to a car dealer, what are the chances that two people buying the same car with the same equipment, the exact same car, the same color, the same options, what's the chances of them paying the same thing? I'm assuming the credit ratings are about the same, so the interest rate's the same.
20: Now, that brings up one of my pet peeves as a reporter if I'm writing a story about one, uh, one ISP or cable company or another, and if I'm looking up these, they should be right there because th- they should be the same everywhere. And instead I have to punch in some address to see what it costs or where she have to sort of start making a fake order. You know, you don't want me to think that you're trying to pull one over on me, put your prices in plain view. You know, if, if, if a Google search for, This is something I wrote about for USA Today, the other week, switch digital video adapter cost. If the first result for that isn't your own price list, but something on like the TiVo community forum, (laughs) you're doing something wrong. You're not helping me, the reporter, but you're also telling your customers that, you know, this is not some information you can just provide. There must be something else going on. It's just inviting people to think the worst in an industry where there's already not a huge amount of customer confidence.
1: Right now, what is it now? They're fighting Congress for the lowest rating?
20: <laughs> no, I think they're, they're actually outdoing Congress, although it's not a huge amount. I think uh, Senator McCain's quote is, we're, we're now down to uh, paid staffers and blood relatives who still think we're doing a good job.
1: And that's as long as the paychecks yes. are there, and the blood relatives didn't divorce you, and they still like you. That's another... Particular point there. Yeah, there should be a list. I mean, I see this all along the place. I was checking out pricing for a spam protection service. And I said, okay, give me a price. And they said, well, talk to one of our salespeople. They'll quote you something. I said, just give me the price. Show me a price list. I want to know for the number of users I have on my server, if I want to have enhanced spam protection, what's it cost me? Well, I'm not going to deal with them because they won't give me a price. Rob Pegarero. You don't have to give us a price, but you can tell us where we can find more of your stuff.
20: Yes, uh, you can find me. Uh, my blog is at robpeguerrero.com. I'm on Twitter as at Rob Peguero. As you may have guessed, my last name is somewhat unusual, so it's not usually a problem to get that username. Uh, I write a QA and a column that runs on USA Today's site, usatoday.com, every Sunday. And I write for Yahoo Tech about policy issues that's usually every Tuesday, but every now and then, such as at Google I.O. last week, there'll be a few extra pieces there and there are no hidden fees. Not that I'm charging.
1: <laughs> Not for us either. You can find us on Twitter. We're known as Tech Night Owl. Check Tech Night Owl at Twitter. You could also go to our main site technightowl.com. technightowl.com to find all the stuff and episodes of the Tech Night Owl live to download free. Going back to something like 2007, 2008. I just keep them up there for forever. We've been around since 2002, by the way. But, you know, if you ever want to hear those older shows, I'll put some of them up again. We have another radio show about UFOs and things that go bump in the night. We're going to feature our old friend Nick Redfern, who's going to talk about close encounters, not of the third kind, but of the fatal kind. about uh, People studying UFOs who died a little too early for their own good. At Paracast.com, Paracast.com, coming this weekend. Rob Peguerero, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Owl Live. You're welcome.
4: The Tech Night Owl Live is a
9: copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week.
5: Same bat time, same bat channel.